The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey now, everybody. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening to anybody checking us out this is zach hayes dropping off yet another episode of shaggin flies for you ben and i spent a fantastic two hours this week talking with bradford william davis who has just begun writing for insider doing investigations and was an absolutely delightful guest We spent the first half an hour or so talking about New York City, Amazing Place, and Bradford's home borough of Queens, his experience growing up there, and his experience writing about baseball, and writing for the New York Daily News, and how he got there, and of course we also talked about what's great about baseball, and why it hits just a little bit different, and enough other cool and interesting stuff that... I wish we had a couple more hours to pour one up and shoot the breeze. So, like I always say without further ado, here is the part where I remembered to start recording a bit more than 10 minutes into our talk with Bradford William Davis. in Queens, <clears throat> born and raised in Queens. Uh, you are still New York. You are as New York as it comes, Bradford. Tell me a little bit about growing up in Queens and just what what is Queens to you? Uh, what you know? T- tell me the story of Bradford William Davis uh, in New York City. Yeah, man. So I grew up in a neighborhood called Forest Hills. Um, Forest Hills is, I think, the great its greatest pop culture significance is two things. One is the tennis stadium. Um, originally being there before they moved, before they built, you know, Louis Armstrong and Arthur Ashe over in uh, like the Corona Flushing area, which is actually where my mother grew up in Corona. Um, but uh, but you know, before that, that you know, the, the the tennis stadium was in Forest Hills. You know, now it's like a pri- now it, it well, growing up was a private tennis club and probably still is, but they also make it like a concert hall. So uh, it's kind of funny in this like ser- uh, very serene, quiet upper middle class neighborhood like a Drake and Lil Wayne concert and being able to hear like the acoustics like a mile away like like very audibly you know like I, I, it makes me happy that uh, all the people who um messed with me while I was you know innocently walking you know to the corner store like you know now have to listen to 
to, uh, you know, uh, loud abrasive rap lyrics, you know, um, during the, you know, uh, at night. Uh, that, make, that, make, that, make, that makes me happy. I can't wait for uh, the pandemic to be over, specifically for those people to be disrupted again. No, um, but that's a good segue into, into my, my relationship with Queens. So I, I love Queens. I put on for Queens. Barcelona is where I grew up. Um, it is not the place I have the closest affinity to, you know, even though it's, again, it's a very beautiful neighborhood. Like, you know, you see like these stately, like sort of tutors, you know, um, everywhere. Um, you know, even it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, everywhere in New York buying property is expensive. Like, you know, that's why I don't own property at this point, but, um, you know, but like, it's, you know, but, uh, but Queen, but Forest is always on, on the more expensive side, you know, um, and then there's an area called the Forest Hills Gardens, even when I grew up there, when I moved there, like in the nineties, um, uh, Forest Hills Gardens being like a private enclave within the neighborhood that where every, every home was worth at least a million dollars, basically. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they had their own like sort of like, you know, private, you know, services. I mean, I, uh, like, uh, I don't know if they had trash pickup from so they probably did, but they definitely had rent-a-cops. And I know that because whenever I would like be like strolling through there too late at night or like, you know, trying to impress like a girl, like, you know, by going to like one of the parks there, um, they aren't gated or locked or anything, like, but it's like, kind of like, it's like grassy lawns and they'd be like, Hey, do you live here? And I'm like, Yeah. Um, I live here, but not, you know, but, but not your version of here, you know, um, and, and, you know, and, and now let alone there, there could be some, there'd be some like white kids, like, you know, 10 yards away from me doing drugs, like, and, you know, but here I am like having a picnic with my friend, like literally a picnic, bro. like, you know, like ham and cheese sandwiches and Doritos and, and some Coca-Cola and like, you know, and, and I'm getting pressed, um, because I live, you know, you know, three blocks outside of outside of the gardens rate radius. Um, so I, you know, I I don't have like that deep of a emotional affinity for it, even though it is a very you know beautiful place to like look, look at and walk through. However, I do love Queens because Queens is more than um, Queens is definitely thank God it's more than the Forest Hills, even though it was cool when you know they filmed the, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. You know, like a few blocks my house, and that, that was like pretty dope. I was bragging on my friends, but like, but, but, you know, but, but, is where uh, Spider Man's from, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, so that, I, I did. I definitely, you know, I, I definitely flexed a lot when I was like, yeah. you know, in sixth grade, <laughs> that movie came out. But, um, but like, let's see, Queens to me though, like it's it's Jackson Heights. You know, it's like where you know it's where I get a fade. It's where I'd, um, you know, I could try like pretty much any sort of cuisine from South America, the Middle East, or like the Pacific Rim of an East, you know, like, like, I get, like, you know, anywhere in East or Southeast Asia, like all of that was there, you know, within, you know, and you could walk from spot to spot. That's like Queens to me, you know, Queens is like Rosedale, which is where my grandma who passed away um, early this year, like, you know, um, lived and uh and you know it's close to jfk and apparently like the you know the the flight route you know like was like directly over like maybe eight inches over like our, our house apparently because every 20 minutes like we just hear the loud roar of uh of a, of a jet you know <laughs> like during like family function cookouts and stuff like that and um like you know and, and of course it was annoying when I, you know when i'm trying to like talk to someone but like but it's like now, now I, I, I kind of I miss that like you know that <laughs> that piercing roar <laughs> that lets you know that you could like set your watch to, um you know Queens is uh you know 
Queens is more than that. You know, Queens is, is you know, iconic hip hop, you know, like it, it's, it's, um, it's Nas and Fiddy and, you know, and Tribe, like, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's so much more, you know, um, than, than just the, uh, the neighborhood that didn't really want me, um, uh, as a young black kid growing up there, but like, you know, but, and so, um, I, 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 I that's why I put on for Queens, even though I don't live there anymore, no more. I, li- mm-hmm. I grew up, uh, I went to, you know, I went, I went to, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school in that borough, but like, but now I live in upper Manhattan. That's like Harlem, Washington Heights area. Like I've bounced around there for like did, almost a decade. Did you go to Forest Hills High School? I did not go to Forest Hills High School. Um, a lot of my friends did from junior high, or you know, people I knew anyway. Like, but I, and I went to another school. I was um, gonna say that's where both Simon and Garfunkel went. Ah, hmm. yeah, they both they both graduated. They so they were uh, well. I don't remember Garfunkel, but Paul Simon's from Jersey. And then eventually lived in the in the Forest Hills area, but both of them uh, have some roots in Forest Hills. Yeah, there. I mean, honestly, uh, Peter Parker might not be like the apex of like cultural. I'm trying to remember. Like, oh yeah, there's some people like who like. But who I'm sure. Here, but you, know. you probably have like a bit of an extra affinity for those movies, though, which do take a lot of heat from the Zoomers these days. <laughs> no, Look, listen, I mean, those the, are good movies. This the first two Spider-Man movies are better than most okay. superhero films ever. Like, but I, I I recently screened them, you know, um, a few months ago, and I'm like, nah, this is this actually holds up in a way that almost everything pumped out the last like ten years is not. I will say, uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin is one of the best uh, it's comic book comic book movie villains probably ever because i i feel like comic book movies no matter what universe you're talking about marvel or dc really struggle with uh villains that have uh you know that are complicated that are more than just like cgi creatures that want to shoot a sky beam out to destroy the world or something like 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 oh, so you, you watch Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly you watch the <laughs> right exactly i did yes i yeah i fought through that one um but like th- just any marvel has always had this problem every villain just about in an mcu movie is aside from thanos is pretty boring and generic like they they don't they they put a lot of time and effort into character development with their heroes, but not so much with their villains. And and that's why I love Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin yeah. because I mean, Willem Dafoe kills it. I mean, Killmonger's great. Uh, Obadiah yes. Stane was yes. good. I haven't yes. I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, Iron Man in a while, but I remember you know really liking Stane. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Looks good to, to portray him. I thought um, the dude in the first uh, the first uh, Tom Holland Spider Man. Uh, I forget why I don't know. I'm forgetting his name at the moment. But uh, oh, Michael my, Keaton's my, my, uh, Michael, Michael Keaton's Michael Keaton's vulture. That's right. Uh, yeah, you know, good. You know, good. Yeah. But like, you know, but but those, but those are, in my opinion, exceptions to the rules Absolutely. among the among the um the Marvel films that I have seen. I haven't seen all of them. I've seen a lot of them though. And yeah. so I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm no, I'm with you. Like, I, I think the thing that's brilliant about Spider-Man Two is that like they put a melodrama, like a straight up melodrama, but just like superpowers. You know, like yeah. you know, and and uh, and that and and into a major motion picture. You know, like it could have like um, 
if there were black people in it, like Ava du- DuVernay could have directed it, you know, like <laughs> it's just like, you know, you know, um, it's tearjerker. It's like a total tearjerker or, or like, you know, it, it could have been Douglas Sirk could have done it, you know, to use a, <laughs> I guess some more, uh, yeah, relevant, no, uh comp, you know, like, so like yeah. it, it's, that, that is what is, I, I think it's, it's, uh, profoundly moving, you know, like the relationship between, you know, um, Peter and MJ and, and, and his own pressures of like, you know, just wanting a normal life and, you know, and, and, you know, but the, of course, the the responsibility, right? Uh, great power comes great responsibility of being, you know, this uh, New York's like super cop, um, and uh, you know, like that's uh, that's really, you know, um, I, I, like that's that's the 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 subway scene, you know, which has become oh, become yeah. a funny a funny gif, but like, but like, you know, you, you you know, it's 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 a shame that people you know have to see like you know those first two movies out of like you know in gift form now and then you and then you watch the original but i guess that happens to everything you know like I, i've seen i've seen the godfather parody like in 50 different like things before i actually yeah. watch the movie you know like yeah. uh, you know um so you know it happens there every every truly great piece of art <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Man, no like like that the, the 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 train scene where he like you know like saves the sub- subway from crashing like it's just like uh, in context it, it is it's glorious you know so i highly recommend to you uh to you zoomers um, to make, to, uh, to get off your TikToks, you know, and, and Snapchat this movie Stop called, <laughs> called, uh, Spider-Man one and Spider-Man two. Um, right, which, which one's better? Three. Um, I think, I think, I think <laughs> I, Zach's I, like, I, three is great. I actually kind of, actually kind of like but, uh, very but, yeah, but when, when I, I was kinda, like I, ten, I thought it was I thought it was mind blowing. I thought it was so edgy and shit like that. But I mean, you know, taste evolved and so on and so forth. Um, <laughs> I like um, I, I like two more. Um, but one has the best villain. You know, yeah, I think. Yeah. But I think two two does just does remarkable stuff with the character of Elmo Peter and MJ. Dude, the um, thing that bothered so. me so much about three was that they were like, "Cool, we're gonna have uh, Venom in this." There was a lot that bothered me about three, but the thing that really bothered me is that, "Cool, we're gonna have Venom, we're gonna have Eddie Brock." All right, who is Eddie Brock in the comics? Eddie Brock is the antithesis of Peter Parker. He's like this buff jock, really confident guy, like mm-hmm. literally the opposite of like nerdy Peter Parker. So, mm-hmm. who do they cast as Eddie Brock? <laughs> Toe for Grace, who is basically <laughs> Peter Parker too. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's really Toby McGuire's Heather. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like um, man, but anyways, yeah. we could go on about superhero movies forever. Oh, and, yeah, uh, so but anyways, so while while we're talking it's, about uh, um, New York City neighborhoods in the area, aside from aside from Queens, uh, what are some of the favorite na- your favorite neighborhoods in the city to spend time in? Well, I mean, where I live, you know, where I am now, like Uptown and Upper Manhattan, Harlem, Washington, Heights, Linwood. I love it, you know. I love uh, Dominican food, and I love, you know, I love uh, Riverside Park. Um, and uh, you know, I love I love walking alongside and under the George Washington Bridge. Um, you know that that it just you know that that feels you know that feels almost as, as home as you know as going as walking down like Roosevelt Ave did you know when I was a, a kid romantic so um yeah man um like I think um I let me, let me think of like I'm trying to think of what else I, what place, other place I, really, I really love I, I love I love Bed-Stuy and and Fort Greene 
you know, um, at Bedside, Fort Greene, Clinton Hill kind of like range of Brooklyn. Um, you know, I love any place with like a lot of art. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I actually I, I I like going to like the far west side in Chelsea sometimes and just kind of like you know walking through like galleries there. Um, that's always a lot of fun to me because like you you can just like literally on any like Saturday you can just kind of like take the subway down to Twenty Third Street and just walk westward like past like between Ninth Avenue and, and you know the river essentially, and you'll see all these old warehouses that are like you know rotating galleries and find probably something pretty cool. So um, that's a lot of fun to me too. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to think of what you know, uh, other neighborhoods I really, really dig. Uh, I I don't know the Bronx as well as I'd like to. Um, so uh, I can't speak too well to that. Though I am in the Bronx a lot, um, because of frankly because of baseball, because the Yankees. <laughs> um, you know, and when I want to cover them a lot. So um I actually live pretty close now. Like uh it's, it's like a short walk. Um but I also have good Latin food there. Um yeah man um I'd say I'd say those are those are, those are, those are the spots I uh that off the dome I enjoy the most. Like That's... you know my, my 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 neighborhood um which is like a very New Yorker thing like like not one to leave your neighborhood <laughs> um but also like you know um like I said, Fort 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 Green, Clinton Hill, um, you know, Bed Stuy, all I think, you know, great places with a lot of history, a lot of character. So I will say, uh, speaking to uh talking about like just going somewhere to see art, one of the things I've only ever been to New York a couple times, but one of the things that I loved about it the last time I went was just that there's just always something going on somewhere like you're never without options of something to do and usually it's something pretty cool like i went uh the best example of this for me was i went i went there to see the tonight show and after we saw the tonight show uh somebody in the crowd was just like hey man andrew bird's doing a free concert in central park i'm just like uh well i guess we're going to that and then the warm-up comic at the show was like or if you want vanessa bryan from snl's doing a show at you know this club and i'm like or we could go to that and like, it was just speaking of just always the village, something there the west village because because of the comedy because mm-hmm. you know yeah I, man i'm man like i can't wait is that where the cellar like, is yes that's what a comedy cellar is but i can't wait for the for the and uh, f- for us to be fully vac- vaccinated and herd immunized, um, if that ever comes, because uh, because comedy is so like there's so much comedy on like a Friday night um, or on a Monday night shoot, like any night, <laughs> like in the city. Um, Dude, and I yeah. miss being in a yeah. in a crowded bar with like 14 people in a tiny room watching some dude bomb. Why did I miss that? Man? <laughs> like, oh my god, that's yeah, I, a lot of fun. I have always kind of dreamed of going to the cellar. I've never gotten to, I'm a huge like stand up fan and I've never gotten to go to the cellar, but it, I, it sounds like I follow the cellar on Instagram. So I watch videos from all oh, pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. I watched videos from it all the time and just, man, it sounds like a blast because not only do you get like great comics there, but you get like these legends who just like pop in and like, you know, you're sitting there watching some comedy like, Oh, 
Chappelle's here. All right. <laughs> and he's, and he's going to do 10 minutes. And you're just right. like, Oh, cool. Like just, it's, Isn't that it's cool? such a cool atmosphere and it seems like the coolest place. So that is definitely on my post pandemic list of things to do, but that, that whole area. Yeah. Like you said, there's just, there's so much comedy and so much good comedy. Like, yeah, that's, that's definitely a great part of the New York scene. And I love, I just love talking about cities with people who know them really well. Yeah. It's, oh like, my God. Yeah. It's, and it's funny. It's like, it, it can be any city. Like, obviously, you know, New York City, Chicago, you know, some of these massive cities. But even you could talk, I could talk with you about Baltimore forever. <laughs> and there are people I'm sure who could talk about like just I don't know Austin, Texas forever and how incredible it's, it is. It's yeah, really but, fun. But, I was in Baltimore it, last weekend. It's funny you mentioned that. No way. I uh, I yeah. live just outside of Annapolis. Oh, uh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baltimore I is t- the best. It's uh, I, t- I took a bus down there and a train back. You know, yeah. I just ate my weight in crab. Um, I, where'd you uh, go? Where'd you go? I went. Oh, I went to Angie Seafood for that. Um, oh, Angie's. Where's that at? I, I think it's on the east side. Like okay. Oh, um, was it like uh, were you near the water? Nearish. Was it, like, uh, it, it, it wasn't like it was probably. It, I, I think I think it was Fell's Point. It wasn't on Fells top Point, of the water, yeah. but it, it was it was it was close yeah. enough. You know. Were you near that um, giant Domino Sugar? Uh, factory? I don't recall, man. I wish I. I There's I like this massive water. sign that says Domino. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I wanted to keep yeah. it. I, I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, this is a cliche, right? But I've seen it in like the wire credits. So, but I, <laughs> yep. I, 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 no, I don't want to see it. Yeah, um, it's all good. Yeah, that's. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I did. I did that. You know, we we were we stayed at a you know pretty nice hotel uh, on the harbor, like um, yeah. you know, the Marriott around there. Um, or like, like it's kind of like in Baltimore's Midtown, but like it's like you know off the harbor, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, it's, it's right near the Inner Harbor. Yeah, I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, um. Went to uh, the American Visionary Art Museum. That was cool. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, I'm, I was, uh, you know, I, I definitely want to go back. I, I love like regional travel, like anywhere you can Amtrak, like mm. and, and yeah. in any city that's walkable is like a city I want to I want to visit. Oh, you know? I, yeah. I would even say Amtrak. Like I, I've been saying to people, I actually I just was out in I was just in Providence in Boston for my um for my graduation, and I've been was telling people all weekend. It's like I don't think people understand how easy it is and how cheap it is to get from chicago to dc baltimore new york boston it's so easy to just do like you know uh you plan a couple months in advance it's super easy to do you know a four or five day weekend if you know right and you you and you don't even have to do like you don't even have to do a crappy bus or something like you can do the amtrak i mean you can do the mega bus for like three dollars but (laughs) (laughs) but then you don't even have to do the touristy stuff you know you can just it's cool to me to just like you know visit a city for a weekend and just kind of see like some of the out of the way stuff and that's why there's never going to be enough to do enough enough of that to do new york it is the the city oh my god sleeps for i i i will say talking about walkable cities one of the so I used to work in Baltimore and I was always a huge Baltimore defender because a lot of people, I think because of the wire and probably the really high murder rate, uh, get like, talk bad about Baltimore. Like, ah, oh, it's this dingy, cruddy city. And I'm like, no, I love Baltimore. It's beautiful. It has its problems as every city does, but it's a beautiful city. And then I started working in D.C. And I still love Baltimore, but I've grown to love the walkability of D.C. And and what I mean by that is I feel like I can breathe in D.C. Mm-hmm. And that's because there is a height limit on buildings. They can't be 
above a certain height, which means there's no skyscrapers, which means I know that. uh, Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, (laughs) the. I know that if you ever see in a movie and you see like a pan that's supposed to be DC and there's always like they always use fake DC skyscrapers. Yeah, they always use skyscrapers that don't exist wow. in DC. Wow, DC and that's very, fascinating. Yeah. It's always yeah. more exciting than. Oh my god! Movies, yeah, there's wow. no skyscrapers what? in DC, and I love that because you get more sunlight, you get more sky. So when you're walking through DC, like I, I think skyscrapers are cool enough. But when you're in Baltimore or even when you're in New York City. I feel like sometimes you're looking up and you're just like buildings are in on you and you can get, I think you can get a little claustrophobic sometimes. Um, it, and again, I, I reemphasize that I do enjoy it to an extent, but there is something I do like about DC about the, the breathability of the city because it's so much more open. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's not a single, the Washington monument is the tallest building in DC. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I- I was in DC maybe two years ago, and uh, two and a half years ago, and I, and I, I, uh, I, I love I, I, as a, as you as you describe that, that, that comes back to me. Yeah, like like it's got kind of like yeah. clear sight lines, <laughs> kind of everywhere. Yeah, you that can, is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. No and, building is really bigger than like I, you know, my my office building is fourteen stories, and I think that's about as tall as buildings are going to get. That's yeah cool the different strokes <laughs> for different folks i make no judgments on anyone's personal preference no, i just think it's like i just picture myself standing on like i don't know my I, my aunt lives on the upper west side off of like um 101st in riverside she's lived there for like 50 years since she was a columbia student or whatever and rent control is a That's hell of a drug very, uh, very close very, very very close to where i live yeah oh but, nice yeah. nice but there's like for me there's nothing i love the feeling of just walking down broadway and just being like, and especially you oh, get yeah. towards the town, just you're surrounded by buildings and the hubbub and the activity. And even, you know, like Michigan Avenue in Chicago and LaSalle street, it gives me like, I mean, I guess I could, it's different, different, like I said, different, no, no, no. Different I, and different I, I think that's, I think that's that my personal, cool. like I, I love yeah. that. And I also do before it slips my mind though, I do want to bring back to what something you said earlier, Bradford and tell, tell the listeners something that they should go look up is that um, having grown up, I'm, I'm on the, in Hyde Park on the University of Chicago campus, more or less. That's where I've spent okay. most of my life. And the um, the Hyde University of Chicago, yeah, but the University of Chicago also happens to employ the single largest private police force in the world. Uh, I heard that. So, yeah. So, yeah. so and I, there's really nothing in the world. And I, you know, personally have, can, have not been profiled in that way, but I can speak from having witnessed that there really, there really is nothing more than a fake cop loves in the world more than just making someone's day worse for no reason. It's really, so people, I think people really should start to, uh, if you have the initiative, do a little research and look into the effect of private policing, what that actually is and who that affects in America listeners, but uh, end rant there. <laughs> so <laughs> um, back to New York city though. So you said yeah. you stayed in the city for college. You went to my research tells you went to Baruch college in the uh, city university, of New York system. Is that correct? No, that's right. Uh, what'd you do there? Were you a journalism person there, media, or what'd you study? <laughs> I was not, man. I was a uh, econ student. Um, I oh, thought right. I was gonna. Uh, I thought I was gonna either work for a sports team, or I was gonna like work in finance. Neither door opened up real, really at the college. Um, so I just kind of like, you know, I mean, I, I had a good college experience, but like to be clear, like I was very, you know, I was very involved in like, student government and stuff, like. 
um, but like um, good friends I still talk to pretty frequently. Um, and the cool thing about Baruch too is that it's a commuter school, so every a lot of people um, that I went to school with were from New York, and and still live in New York. Uh, so I see them, you know, on a decent basis. But but yeah. So anyway, I, I graduated. I'm like, you know, um, what am I gonna do with myself? And I just started taking like random startup jobs. Um, frankly, because like you know they let me like wear like a snapback and a hoodie, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'd rather not do that over, you know, uh, button down shirts and slacks. So um, uh, it was honestly, you know, it wasn't quite that simple, but like you know, but but the whole fifth year college thing <laughs> was uh, very attractive to my 21, 22 year old self. So um, so yeah, I just I just kind of took took random startup jobs, but um. You know, um, I always loved writing. Um, I, uh, you know, I always loved writing. And so I was um, doing a lot of, like, I started doing a lot of communications heavy stuff um, at some startup companies. Uh, and uh, in the interest of possibly, you know, um, continuing to mature that muscle so I could pursue writing as a vocation. Um, like, you know, more journalistic or, you know, artistic writing. And, uh, the, uh, and door opened up. I got laid off from one of the job, the job that recruited me. And they like, it laid me off like four months later. I was like, yo, what the heck? Why did you like give <laughs> me a LinkedIn? This is, this is the master plan. Awesome. <laughs> um, huh? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I'm like, all right, I got, um, I was fortunate. I had some, I had some money in the bank. I'm like, I, I can be very selective of the next job I take. Cause, cause I was, I was kicking myself that I like jumped from my like stable company to like, you know, this place, <laughs> the startup struggling. And, um, and so, um, and, but I also try to like, just write for myself as much as possible. And I started a newsletter with, a uh, a really good friend of mine, still, still a super close friend, Morgan Lee. Um, and, uh, Morgan and I, started a newsletter where we would write about sports, but with uh, a social lens. And, uh, and uh, I, when Grant ran the ESPN for those, for the zoomers on here, they don't watch Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Grant land was, uh, was the, uh, was a, a very popular um, and beloved a sports and pop culture website that ESPN produced um, was under Bill Simmons, um, the uh, sort of, you know, podcast, you know, and NBA columnist, you know, sort of a uh, uh, forerunner. Right. Um, and uh, anyway, and so um, I, I was a fan of the writing. And so when they closed, um, I went to a, a party down the West Village uh, right around the corner from the comedy cellar. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, or maybe it was NoHo, the point, you know, but still close, close enough, wherever, you know, no West Village, wherever I want to use. So, um, when I went there, um, uh, I was, uh, you know, I just got to meet a lot of people in the industry that night, you know, so like, I didn't like meet them, but like, you know, Zach Lowe was there, like Jason Concepcion. And I became like friendly through that, you know, through that night, um, you know, and then a lot of people who weren't, weren't in right for Grandland, but were, you know, just fans and supporters and, you know, 
media circles are pretty tight because there's not many, many people who have full-time jobs. <laughs> and, and so I, I, you know, I just made a lot, I made a lot of uh, like, you know, friendships to this day, you know, that happened that night, like, you know, 2015, I guess. So like almost seven years ago, you know, uh, or six years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, they, and, and those people would get, would give me feedback on my newsletter and, you know, telling me, you know, this is good. And, you know, and all that, and it kind of gave me a lot of confidence that, um, that maybe I could, you know, make this more of a career sooner than I, than I realized. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I, I never understood this a tough business and everything, you know? So I wasn't like, I was more than fine to just kind of work back in, in tech, you know, some more. Um, and so, and that kind of like, you know, then the kind of communications and the ops kind of roles I was doing, um, I just kind of found myself in, but like, but yeah, so I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this newsletter and I really liked it. And, uh, uh, my Morgan, um, who, you know, encourages me to apply for a job at, uh, USA Today, um, and I like made it to like the second or third round of interviews. And again, like I, I've, I'm like I have no following on social media. I have no uh, bylines anywhere of you know of substance at this point, you know. Um, and uh, and I'm like, wow, man, I, 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 I should really lean into this, you know. And sorry, I started. So then, so then I, I decided to make that like the, the thing I was going to do, um, a little more intentionally, you know. And so I took you know took writing jobs. Um, I worked for this uh, startup that told me that they were going to be the next Grantland. They were not. Which is why, which is why I'm not even, I'm <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of next Grantlands. Now you're going to mention their name, but they but they had like some, they had some like seed money and every, and all that, you know. But they didn't, you know, they didn't amount to anything. They were based like Nashville. Um, and uh, you know, I knew I knew the, I knew it was a problem there because uh, my um, paycheck started coming in like late, and I was like, hmm, that's probably not good. Red flag. <laughs> no, you know, what, what, what would happen was like like my cell phone bill would come out and I had no money in my account. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is not cool, <laughs> man. Like, what's going what's going on? Why can't you like pay me on the first yeah. and fifteenth or whatever or every two Fridays? Like, like we said, like, you know, why why are you like you know uh FedExing me a check that comes in like three days late? Like, what's going on? Yeah, bro? that's like, that's definitely direct, a red flag. Do direct deposit, you know. So I started already looking around and um, and right before they end up folding, I ended up getting a writing fellowship with the uh, New York Film Festival um, to oh, wow. do like like film criticism, actually, you know, and, and kind of like get a, a press pass for, you know, the entire event. And that was awesome. And I, you know, I still have, you know, connections with that um, and, and not just connections, but, like you know, people I really, really do like and admire. Um, I got to see like, you know, Moonlight, you know, um, uh early i got to see manchester by the sea and like michael sarah's like sitting like two seats away from me um and it's like and, and i'm watching him choke up the same time i'm choking up like you know like it's like wow it's cool you know or maybe not i mean it was dark <laughs> but, I knew, <laughs> but i knew that i was crying. relatable at least <laughs> yes <laughs> um i knew that i was crying when you know uh michelle williams and the, the big boston accent is oh like you know God. crying about you know the stuff that they cry about in that movie which i won't spoil that movie is i yeah that's a movie that you will see uh once yes a movie you ever want to see again <laughs> it was great <laughs> i loved it i thought it was a brilliant movie but i never want to see it again <laughs> I, I watch it sometimes just to feel <laughs> just to remember i mean i'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a human like I get you know, that. Uh, i'm still here um so you know prick me and i bleed so uh yeah man i was uh, uh you know i i always that was awesome um and that opened up doors to, uh, you know, do some of that culture writing kind of stuff. And I ended up, uh, but like, you know, but I had a sports background as well. 
And so I got an internship with uh, a, um, a former media startup called Vocative, which was sort of like their whole beat was like, what's wrong with X? And so they had a sports desk. So, you know, that's, that was like, what's wrong with sports? And so I, I work with uh, uh, Robert Silverman, uh, was one of my coworkers. Um, he's, uh, you know, one of my favorite writers and journalists, but, you know, period. Um, but, like, you know, but he was a Knicks blog. He was, he's, you know, he was a, a big time Knicks blogger, you know, then a big time and, and honestly, just amazing independent investigator reporter. Um, and uh, yeah, that was dope. Um, but uh, it was also an internship and I like wanted to pay rent. So um, the person who hosted that Grantland party was a high up in the editorial, like content strategy division of HBO. And so he recruited me to work for him. Um, it is a friendship that we just, wow. just kind of stuck for a couple of years. And, and so I started working for HBO and I did content strategy there and it was great. It was like, it was, but, uh, but it was like the best version of a job I didn't really want because as much as I liked it and, you know, you know pay well and all that and gave me like, you know, lots of cool opportunities, met lots of dope people and, um, got to watch a lot of TV. So much of you that got kind of sick of watching TV. Um, <laughs> you know, like like success, like like succession hits different when you have to like just keep watching the same scene over and over again to make sure you transcribe <laughs> certain like quote correctly and make sure like you know yeah. that you have all, all, all the, the story beats drowned for some internal notes for you know a potential like ad campaign. Like, you know, and really the the the, the ultimate thing was just like, you know, writing and writing creatively, but ultimately always writing in service of the brand. You know, and so that kind of like limits your ability to critically engage with things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or, or just tell the truth as it is, you know. And so uh, I missed that. And so I was so I was kind of open into, into to new opportunities. And that's kind of when the Daily News thing kind of popped off. They were, they were you know, I, I knew the person who is uh, running the sports desk there and he recruited me for another job. I turned it down. Um, and uh, but then he asked me to. Like, you know, uh file a freelance column because i was just kind of like bsing on twitter not really i was i was i was you know i was angry actually about something that something that happened in baseball and uh he, i wrote a column and it was it went very uh it went very well and uh and he offered me a job as a columnist and that's how i got to the daily news so that's a really long way of asking did you did, did you study journalism in college like that's great and that actually that's brings incredible. up that actually brings up a question i have for you um mm-hmm. So you 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 mentioned this uh, newsletter that you started out with this small site you had, which I believe is Fallon Fair, right? You got it. Yeah. So you you move from a small a smaller blog, and eventually through all of this, you get to HBO and you get to the New York Daily News. And I'm curious, do you ever um, did you ever miss kind of writing for a smaller audience with the newsletter? Because there's only so much, you know, with a with a brand name like the New York Daily News or wherever, you know, that you have, I think, I feel like you have a little less freedom than you would with like your own blog. You can write whatever you want. And there's kind of a bigger spotlight with someone like the New York Daily News. Did you ever kind of miss the the old blog ways while you were there or? That's a great question, man. Um, I I miss writing with Morgan, who's still yeah. kind of really I talk to all the time. She she's uh she's an she's a magazine editor herself. Um, and uh, but she like just brought the best out of my work, I'd say, you know. And we just kind of like a, a very very strong creative team, uh, me and her. And so like, um, 
I'm not like I'm not probably going to be a Substack guy ever because like I need an editor. Like I really do. <laughs> um, you know, I need I need I need a partner. You know, um, to partner with someone that to uh, most of the time. Like um, I often find that unless I'm like very angry about something, um, it becomes very hard for me to organize my thoughts. To be perfectly honest, you know, and so um, sure, no, I get that. You know, like I, like I, you know, I do it. Obviously, I did it for two years, but like you know, but uh, but um, but I really do appreciate like you know, good strong editing as like the scaffolding to help you know, kind of like oh yeah, oh my god, I I would so my um. My day job is I'm a healthcare journalist. And um, whenever I write an article, man, they're so like every single time my editors are like, can we please try and keep this to like 800 words max? And I'm like, cool, here's 1200. And they're like, okay, just try and trim it. Down. And, and it's because all this, I, I constantly will just word vomit. And I need somebody to like trim that and be like, okay, you used these words that you don't need, you know, trim this, trim that. And I have learned so much as a writer through the editing process, more than I think Absolutely. I have ever learned. Like one of the things that, that blew my mind that my editors taught me is like, you almost never need to say the word that. So like, you know, someone, it, you know, so-and-so believes that no, just so-and-so believes blank. Or, you know, the I, a major point from the study was that, no, a major point from the study was, and it, it just, I was just like, oh my God, I'm saying that so much. And I almost never <laughs> need to say it, but like stuff facts. like that, you learn from editors and that Big is just facts, a whole man. different, that is a whole different mindset that is so important. <laughs> like, like I, one of my favorite things in the news was, uh, I used to, um, there was an editor there. He's not there anymore. His name is Adrian Covert. And, um, and I, I could just kind of like come up with like some like crazy, ridiculous idea and hit him up on Slack at like 11, 15, like, yo, you know, let's, let's do this. I have no idea if it makes any sense at all, but what if this is happening, right? In sports. And he could be like, you're crazy. Stop. Go away. <laughs> or <laughs> never go away. Um, actually, because he's a very gracious guy. Or he would actually, you know, like he find the kernel of truth and, and he honed it into like a really good idea and a really good reporting project. And so, um, I, you know, that was like one of my favorite things about working at the news was like was was frankly just him, you know, um, and being able to 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 have someone to, to like sound off on. I, you know, that collaborative process is really, is really important. Um, one one of the things that that's been very hard as a worker in in the pandemic is you know is missing you know that kind of like the socialization and and the organic build of ideas that comes with like you know speaking to people um and so uh you know um it just like you know and even even though like i i even i would talk to him on slack most of the time during you know the normal times anyway like i don't know i feel like your brain just kind of like melted after a certain point <laughs> and again, yeah. even, that, even that became hard, mm-hmm. a harder task so um yeah um I um you know I I that I I like freedom, but I like structure too. I like structured freedom, and that's kind of like the, the dream yeah. to be able to have have the have the good scaffolding for you know your your creativity to kind of like burst through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so yeah, the last thing I want to say before we do move on to the the 
we begrudgingly move on to the baseball type stuff. Like, is I really did think I didn't. Unfortunately, you know, I wasn't a reader of, of of Foul and Fair at the time that it was active. I came across it recently while just um looking at some of your past stuff, and I thought like the writing and the creativity was like amazing. It was genuinely so like beautifully written and creative and like in- incredibly done and stuff that just for, for better or worse is not going to like, you're just not going to see that at a major daily newspaper um, in those, those formats and stuff. But I really did appreciate, enjoy how you in your work at the daily news managed to very clearly keep that kind of flair and that fire where, you know, you're very passionate about things and you're not afraid to say them and you're not afraid to call out when it's there. Um, and maybe sometimes you have to choose your words a little bit more carefully. And, but you know, there's, there's a lot of folks in mainstream media and uh, for, I would like to scrub that phrase from my vocabulary, but um, lame stream yeah. media, the lame, the lame stream media, yeah. major media outlet, I, I should say. And there, there weren't, there's not a lot of, you know, I, I was looking, looking at it um, for, for some school research stuff recently, you know, I, I looked through m- most of the New York dailies and um, after the, I believe it was the second Mickey Calloway news broke and you were one of the only major outlet uh, writers to really go on record and say things like, no, Sandy Alderson is just kind of lying. Like he's just, he's just both this here, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing there. So I would ask both full disclosure, both like for myself and for anyone who might be interested, like how, how do you find to um, that you're able to sort of maintain that fire and maintain that real, um, that pointedness and that like, you know, hold people to task within the more within sometimes the more difficult constraints of 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 more more capitalized structures like major daily newspapers and stuff yeah well first of all thank you so much for those incredibly kind words about a newsletter i love but you know but i just said <laughs> i've been able to do it for you know five years so or however long um so thank you um i think I think the answer to your question is kind of like not having my, to the best of my ability, my identity wrapped up in like my professional career in like media, in mainstream media, quote unquote. Um, when you're, when you're really, when you like, careerism is like so prevalent in this world because of all the tweets and RTs, um, all of the praise you get, you know, and like instant feedback sort of on that because of the scarcity of work and needing to like, I guess, you know, try and make sure that you have a career like a year or five years, (laughs) you know, three weeks from now, like it makes it really hard to be true to yourself. I think, um, I think I'm really blessed that I have a lot of friends who don't work in the industry at all. Um, I have a lot of, you know, like my family don't care. Like, I mean, they care about me doing well, of course, in this, but like, they yeah. but like you know, but, but, but they care about me. They care about me beyond what I produce in this. And so like, in a way that gives me a lot of, like, I think sort of like uh, an undergirding of like freedom to not care to the same degree that I think many people might be feel tempted to care about like 
whether or not I'm well received within, you know, the industry or the scene or, 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 you know, these like multi-million dollar celebrities that you're, that you're, that you're covering <laughs> and, you know, may depend on, you know, like, um, it kind of like anchors you into something outside and being anchored outside of it, I think allows you to speak to it a lot better. Um, and so, and see through it a lot better. And so, um, that's kind of like my, uh, one thing I, I always, I, like, I encourage younger people who are wanting, wanting to pursue writing or media, media, especially like is to like read a lot, but like to read outside of like the field of interest you want to cover. Um, and, and also to like, have like things that you like doing that don't involve like journalists. Yeah. You know? um, oh my God. Yeah. And, and, and then, and, but when you find people in the industry who are not transactional, like to like cling to them for dear life, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like I, they're like a small handful of people like that, you know, they exist, you know, but like, you know, but it's, you know, but it's hard and, and, and it's not even all like malevolent either. You know, it's just like, you know, we all, there's only so many oh. jobs here and you have to, you have to, you know, continue to, to build ways to network. I mean, you hear, I've heard, I said the word connection like eight times, like on this podcast, oh, I made a great yeah. connection though, you know, like, you know, I was made a great connect <laughs> HBO, like, you know, come on. I mean, like it's, it's, it permeates everything. Right. You know? Um, and so, um, so I'm not even saying it's all malicious and malevolent, but like, but yeah, to, to find, you know, when, when you, to find those things, those, those, those places, those people, those subjects that aren't in your, you know, in your range and, and, and to stick to that. The other thing I think, um, that would helps me a lot with, with this work, with this stuff is, um, like, man, I mean, because of the precarity of the industry, like it's like not fun if I can't be like myself either. <laughs> like it's you, you know it's also like job anyway, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like I'm like I signed up for the Daily News, yo. They like fired half the staff like <laughs> like a year before I got there. Like you know what I mean? Like they Thanos like the entire department. <laughs> you know, I I just helped with a union campaign where like please don't sell us to the evil hedge fund. Like you already sold us to the evil media company, and this you know like don't do it, don't do this, but even worse, you know like. That's just what I, this, this is just what I, what I, you know, left a few weeks ago. Like, you know, there's no, there's, there's just so little, perm, you know, permanence in this, you know, in, in this to, to like, to, um, to hold back, you know, especially when, when it's like compromising, like, you know, I think your ethical sort of responsibility, you know, to, to, to be truthful about, you know, what's happening, you know? Um, and, uh, and that's, uh, you know, I mean, when, when, when I realized that, like, I didn't really care about, like, chasing after, you know, what relief pitcher is, like, getting traded or signed or something like that, you know, and being, scoop. you know, you know, scoop, Jeff passing first, Bradford Davis second, like, you know, like, and playing that, like, you know, um, playing that game, like, um, you know, the, the Rosenthal passing Nightingale sort of, like, you know, triangle of like you know who's you know who's versus um and i was like man like i like okay i don't i don't really care about that so i don't so that means i don't need to engender favor from the people who would leak this leak this thing that they're going to put in a press release anyway in like eight minutes after <laughs> after i break it um yes i won't be you know on uh you know i don't know i won't be on sports center as much or ever. <laughs> um, but like, you know, but, um, but it's, um, but like, but, but I don't know, it just feels a lot more rewarding in that way, you know, the, the, you know, um, because, because I, I just don't need to suck up <laughs> as much. And so, um, 
like doing, you know, so, so like, and, 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 be, and, it, and it also frees me to have the maximum amount of fun, you know, like, I'm like, okay, if I don't need to do this, I, I can just, I can be me. I could, I could speak truthfully. You know, I, I can, I can go after things that, you know, um, met stories that matter. You know, I, I can deal with it with a, a PR flack, you know, not caring for me. Um, uh, because like, um, I don't care for them. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, um, so, so long, so long as they're not being truthful, you know, I should say to be clear, cause they're, cause they're one of the people who work in PR and communications, please, please keep leaking this okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> listening. Uh, nah. Um, but yeah, man, like that, that one, you know, that, so, so it's kind of a, you know, kind of a two, two, uh, two pronged like, like answers to that question. Right. Like one, one thing is like to be located outside of, you know, outside of, outside of the, the field to, to the best that you can, but also like as much as you're in it, like the, you know, wanting to have like fun in it, like, you know, um, because I know it might be short. Like I, I, I know my career in reading like could be extremely short, you know, it, to, you know, uh, tomorrow's promise to no one. And it's like doubly true for like journalism, you know? Um, oh yeah. I, I, um, like, it, 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 you know, I, so I, I might, I might as well like, you know, make make the maximum impact I can. And that, and that's, and that's mm-hmm. what I do. Yeah, yeah. dude. So, so that's... many thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I could not agree with you more on how important it is to have people in your life that are outside of the industry bubble and how important, how grounding that is. Like I will, I, just about all of my closest friends and also my wife care nothing about baseball at all and they could care even less about fantasy baseball i mean just <laughs> as far as they're concerned it's like D for baseball nerds and they're just like good god that's like so what's really nice sometimes is you know i'll post some kind of fantasy article or something like that that i put lots of research into or whatever i feel very proud of it i put it out there and like the first comment is like you suck and, <laughs> and i'm like oh cool and i you know or something like that and i tell some of my friends and they're just like wait what like who cares you know they're they're not even some kind of dramas happening in the baseball community and i tell my friends and they're like why like it just it gives you this perspective of like how small that is in relation to everything else in the world which kind of anchors me a little and i'm like oh yeah there's like a whole other world outside of this why do i care like what do i care what like 30 strangers on reddit said about my article i do not care and and also i i i also love what you said about like your your job is not guaranteed in journalism you might as well have fun with it because it is so easy to become a generic uh, sports journalist. It's super easy to do that. Hey, to to kind of connect it back to comedy, if you're a comedian and you've got your solid 45 that works, or you've got your solid you know 15, you could just do that and just keep doing it over and over and over again. Because it works, and you don't you're you don't want to fail. You're afraid of of bombing because bombing is scary. But then once you take the perspective of like, no, bombing is part of all of it. The success is only informed by the failure. It's just the winter to your summer, and when you do that, you feel 
I think more confident about being more creative, taking another step out, stretching and not just doing the same 45 over and over again. And you can do that in sports journalism too. Instead of just doing the same kind of stuff over and over and over again, you can stretch out because like you said, tomorrow's guaranteed to nobody. And especially so in journalism. So I just wanted to like, not that you needed my validation, <laughs> but I just wanted to like just full force approval. Like just the whole time you were talking, I'm just like in my head doing karate kicks in the air uh, <laughs> in agreement. I yeah, loved it. But anyways, let's move forward to the baseball portion of our podcast and kind of the main, the main theme, the main question that we always ask every single guest. You are uh, a fan of the game of baseball. Yeah. Were there are a week ago, yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> there are notably lots of sports out there, but <laughs> every day they make me question is, it a little yeah, bit more every day. <laughs> there are, uh, there are a lot of sports out there that you could be a fan of. Why do you love baseball? What is it about baseball that is special to you? That, that is different from other sports. I think it says either super chill or like the tensest uh, brain melting anxiety rot roller coaster <laughs> drug rush. That is you so know. funny because um, it is both. It is both. Like it is the most relaxed. Or or it's like, like, it's, like whatever. It's, it's just freeze in. You know, like I think I think as far as just kind of like aesthetics of the game, right? Um, I think. Uh, you know, I think it's probably like a dad thing, right? Like my dad watched it all the time. My dad loved loved the Yankees, so I watched the I watched the Yankees games a lot and you know, grew to enjoy that. Um it's when you're there, it's just like again, because it's chill, right? Going with going with your friends and getting, you know, some hot dogs or drinks or whatever, and talking about absolutely nothing related to the game whatsoever for like yeah. eight and a half innings and then someone hits a home run and you're like, you know, and you're into it again. Like, you know, yeah. Um, oh, dude, that's, that's one of the beauty, the beauties of going to a baseball game is like, and, and I think this is especially true for like male friends. It is, can be awkward to like sit there and be like, Hey man, you want to just like sit down and talk for three hours? <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's what the game for. It should not be weird. It should not be weird. But the baseball game is this excuse to go into like a low intensity environment, except maybe for the end of the game, depending on how things go. But to go in this low intensity environment and just hang out and just talk for a few hours where it and that's not that's not weird. And that is one of the beauties of the game is just kind of hanging out and, and talking. But I love you're right. It's so relaxed. But then like in the ninth inning, it can be like the suspense of an Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> like you're just right, like, right. your heart's in your throat. So it's Absolutely. either like the most chill thing ever or the most suspenseful thing ever. <laughs> yeah. You really did both ends of the spectrum is a great, great point. Yeah. And I think this is, I've said this on this podcast before. Um, I think this discourse might be a little poisoned after the last week now, but I like, cause this was, I think baseball games, especially a day game, like a chill day game coming from my perspective of having rooted for a bad team for most of my life with um, really, really <laughs> cheap tickets. Like baseball, Baseball game, great place for a date, I think. Um, oh, yeah. And 
at the same time, and you can have that eight innings of you're just like, again, not paying attention, kick back, feet up on the seats, like, ah, you know, but then at the same time, the same game a couple of years ago, I went to, um, I went, I was at one of the two times in my life I've been at Yankee Stadium. It was in 2017, and it was a Sunday night baseball game that was being started by Sale and Severino. And this was 17. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was the year that, um, not the year the Red Sox won, but the Yankees and the Red Sox are both good. Sale versus Severino, Sunday night baseball. Yank, first time I've ever been in the stadium. Packed house. Judge hits home run like, you know, like 45 on the season or something like that. Place is, I'm all the way up top. And I thought I was about, like, the place is shaking. And I think I'm about to go tumbling down. And that's at the exact same place for like three hours earlier. It really could have just been like, you know kicking it up just, you know that's out. and that's yeah. that's a really beautiful thing i think yeah and I yeah that, dude that's i think that's um a great answer i love that yeah i think i think i also love just like like on television the uh like like you get to really see the skill mm-hmm. of, the, of the of the athletes you don't get to see that as much in most baseball seats you know <laughs> like um because it's just so far out I'm just not wearing my glasses. I, I lose my glasses. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. but like, you know, but no, nah, um, but like when you're watching, when when you're watching the, you know, TV with the center field camera and seeing like, you know, just the way, just like, I love watching. Like I really nerd out about like great hitters, like, and the way they like break down good pitches, you know? Cause it's so rare now too, right? Like, mm-hmm. good pitching, good pitching, so good. But like, I was like, as just just as a fan of the game, I was geeking out at like the Yankees at times during the playoffs last year. Um, because like just watching like these like crazy good pitches that they were they would hold off on, you know, like you know, like they like they like they, they destroyed Shane Bieber, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and he wasn't especially sharp, but like he was, but he, but like you you could you could you would you would have been fine against you know three quarters of the league, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, even that night. And yeah, and they were, and they were just kind of like laying off everything, you know, same thing with, uh, with Carlos Carrasco saying, you know, like uh, it, it, it was just, it, it was, it was glorious. Like, like, like to see, to see, you know, pitching Ninja gifts over and over again. And then, but then like take, you know, take or, 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 uh, or rip it down the line or whatever, or, or, to, or, or you Carl Carlos Stanton, you know, <laughs> like taking it 800 feet um, to Neptune, you know, like that stuff is like you know like like just seeing how like how smart they are about this stuff like how you know uh, the way they guess the way they figure out the way they make adjustments like that level of skill uh is really really fun to me you know oh yeah um, so uh so no i'm a i'm a that on on that level as far as just like the athleticism like that's where i see that's where i see like the athletic skill and just kind of like mm-hmm. their ability to kind of like you know have just absolutely perfect canine coordination that uh you know that uh none of all of us could can only dream dream of uh, uh and uh yeah that that's that, that that's that's as far as like my 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 uh my sort of uh if i if i had to give like a, a quick like elevator pitch for like you know why baseball's fun to watch on tv like you know watch it watch watch a bunch of great hitters you know? Oh, and and even you could even yeah. also say like one of my favorite things to watch is the pitchers it's still it is still mind blowing to me every time I watch that any major league pitcher is able to take this little baseball and make it move the way they make it move. 
Like just yeah. to see to watch like Kevin Gosman pitch and his split change like comes in and then goes back out. And you're just like, how do you make a baseball do that? That's just it's it's magic. Like I know how he does it, but it's just you know, it's just so magical and oh and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Seeing like, that kind I, of I, stuff. Like, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I mean like the pitching is so good now, man. Like, oh, like, know, when, like, like again, when, when growing up, you know, late nineties, you know, again, Yankees dynasty, like Roger Clemens, when he won the Cy Young award in 2001, right. Um, he was throwing like 95, he was sitting about 95 and he had a very good split finger and had, like an okay curve. Like, and um, every single sixth man to pen also does that <laughs> now granted oh, the, com- the, com- the command isn't on on roger clemens's level you know nor is he right. head to fire obviously and I, like he might like try and murder <laughs> someone <laughs> um uh for daring to to look at him as a jog <laughs> the first no um, i was just giving it back what are you, you talking know, about yeah, yeah yeah just 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 giving it back in his throat like you know like no um so you know, he's a crazy person. Honestly, we should, you know, relate to him as much as we really get a lot of, you know, yeah. our, our problematic faves. But anyway, um, but yeah, uh, like, you know, like, like that, just far, as far as like raw stuff goes, like Roger Clemens, you know, the, the you know, arguably in a statistical level, the greatest pitcher of mm-hmm. like modern of the modern era is like on a pure like physicality level very ordinary right now oh my god well yeah i mean and it was and it was and it wasn't that long ago man it was not that long ago no yeah you get i mean half a bullpen is throwing 100 miles an hour now Mm -hmm. and it's true across all sports too it's a i you grew up hearing stories of of the refrigerator perry you know the 85 bears and all that and he would be by and i guess that is a little that's I, he, he was in the same Clemens was pitching when the bears won the super bowl you know that, but, and he would be he was known as like he was a, 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 a the biggest of the big he was a force they called him the refrigerator and he would have mm-hmm. actually been about a, like a slightly below slightly undersized defensive lineman That's right it's just it's, it's, it's just like... crazy and now and now of course my thing with, with this is that like generally speaking like you take these guys and just get, make them born mm-hmm. x amount of it later with a different diet and like you know rap soto cameras or whatever like you know put yeah. all these pitches on labs and then and then you know, they're they're just as dominant relative to their peers as they were you know back in the day right right like so right. so so, yeah. so so to be clear i'm not i'm not trying to like dump on like pedro or something you know no no no, <laughs> like no. That, I, that, I, that, yeah, that schmuck I, you know i absolutely <laughs> but, uh, what you're saying and i think i think it is the the technology that we have and all that has made mm-hmm. it so that you know you can you can uh you can manufacture a career almost based on training, based on the technology that's available to you. Like, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer would not be a starting pitcher <clears throat> 20 years ago because he wouldn't have had the stuff available to him to turn himself into a major league level starting pitcher. Like the reason I, stay I that think, way. I disagree well, with yes. that. You, really? Okay. Uh, well, uh, so all right, that, not, and that maybe is... he would be a major league starting pitcher, but I don't know that he would be as dominant as he's been because I think a lot of his success is because of the work he's put in using drivelines technology, using Rapsodo cameras, stuff like that, that he just wouldn't have known about 20, 30 years ago 
Now I'm just tell I mean tell me why I'm wrong because I I'm just spitting this out there. I remember I your thread. I remember your thread with this thread for it. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Oh, please um, go on. Yeah, tell me look, tell I mean, me why I'm wrong. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, 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 again, I'm saying like you know broadly speaking, like again, but everyone you know, yes, Trevor was a Bauer was, a, was certainly a pioneer as far as popularizing the stuff, you know. Like, but like you know, but everyone else uses it too. Like I mean, that's the thing, you know. So like, so it's um. So again, you again you put someone in a different era, you know, and you give them the resources available, and I think you know, hmm. except it's, it's save, save for some outliers, like you you would you know they they would still be able to replicate like I think most of career forms. I think that's just a, I just yeah. that's a general uh, like sort of axiomatic you know maybe an indoctrinal thought I have right, but like that's what I think. But but then with Bauer specifically, like he's you know like he's geeky, but he's like. Like six one, um, you know he's got a broad base. Like you know, like he's not, you know, his physicals, are, you know, his, his 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 physicals are not like so, um, you know, I don't know, unimposing or un- unassuming. No, you're that, right. You know, like he, right. he was, he, 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 he was, was a three year, he was a three year starter at UCLA before at UCLA. Any of that shit happened. Yes, like, yeah. the, the scholarship. He was, you know, he, you know, I mean, like that's fair. No, 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 that's he, fair. He, was using, he was using Google and engineering and all that to like help himself. But again, like you know, Ted Williams was like preaching swing plane in the, in the fifties. So like who, you know, like again, he, Trevor Bauer would have found his nineteen seventy four version of like the stuff he was doing now. And, and I think you would have been pretty good. Like, honestly, like, I, I mean, um, no, I, I think I think you're right, because one of the things I wasn't taking into account by saying that was the context of the other pitchers, because, you know, it, you take someone I was thinking, you know, like Bauer's not the most physically gifted. You know, he's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have a whole bunch of natural athletic talent. However, you're right. First of all, that I mean, he has enough that you know he was a, on a scholarship at UCLA. Yeah, he's, also, he's, not, a, he's not a horse jockey. Like, come on, right, right. right. Like, also, <laughs> he's, he's over six feet tall. Yeah. The first <laughs> right. thing I think about though is just like you know, 20, 30 years ago, nobody's throwing ninety eight all the time. No one's you know it. So it doesn't really matter. You think you know there were plenty of guys twenty, thirty years ago, David. David Wells, uh, you know, Bartolo Colon, who are not the most like natural physical athletes who still put in fantastic careers. So, yeah. you know, it's it, it that isn't a necessarily a requirement. So I, I retract what I was saying. I think right, I think right. you're and, right. And Bartolo, I would say Bartolo and, and Wells were very athletic, but they just weren't condi- were well conditioned. That's what yeah. I would say. Yes. About them. Yes. The vocabulary yeah. around that is something that I'm always thinking about because I think about this with like, um, someone like Prince Fielder a lot who always kind of mm-hmm. caught flack for being like, Oh, he had this, you know, I guess, you know, this affect where people kind of, kind of, I don't even know how to say how they, how they treated him necessarily, but like just being this, like kind of as a fat dude, that's how people, um, that's, mm-hmm. that became his, his, uh, the label that he was given. And yet then you watched him play and that dude is more athletic than like mm-hmm. any, in terms of actual athleticism, Trent, the dude Prince Fielder would destroy days, you know exactly any of us in a foot race exactly. right now. I would, Absolutely, I had to train for like a year 
it's to like, like he's, to maybe right like it, you know it, not it, embarrass myself in a foot race against prince fielder and it's just super interesting to me how people tend to just conflate outward appearance like that like mm-hmm. you know what okay like mm-hmm. so yeah trevor bauer kind of he looks like a dork he looks like kind of a you know a pudgy like where he looks at but you know what that's not the athlete that he is that's not the prince right. fielder that at the athlete the, that's not the athlete the prince fielder was that's not the athlete the, you know that cc sabathia was or david wells right, right. or you right. know ryan weathers see, who i just see, wrote about is a great day. athlete he's just fat mm-hmm. he's a great like no mm-hmm. he's a great athlete he was like you know he was a, a top like you know like, he's a great basketball and football player in high school too like you know like he just like baseball like <laughs> like relax yeah. like you know and Trevor, and Trevor Bauer, you know, so, is, is no yeah. different than great than Greg Maddox, <laughs> except, you know, not as good. Like, you know, because Greg right. Maddox figured it out a lot younger, you know, yeah. um, yeah. like, and, and is not ins- an insufferable dweeb, you know, whenever he opens yeah. his mouth. So, like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, like, come I would, on. Like, I would like, we, like we, to think, I would like to think Greg Maddox thinks climate change is real. I, I hope. <laughs> I would hope. I would hope. One would hope. I hope, man. <laughs> um, like, you know, it's just like th- th- these dudes, like, like you got the like, there is such a thing in sports, man, of like, you know, of like, of 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 just like lionizing people that like vaguely resemble the folks in the press boxes, you know, who tend to be white dudes who can't, you know, jump on top of like a box, you know, like yeah. <laughs> like I'm like I'm like a milk crate, if you know. Trevor Bauer like, can do it that I can. Yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. know, and 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 so like what innate whether innately or intentionally or you know or accidentally what bauer has done very well is he's he's told a, he's told a narrative about himself that resonates with the kind of people who cover the game generally speaking you know these people yeah. who are not who, who you know who are nerds who um who wouldn't be writing if they could actually you know hit, hit field catch do anything you know like um and you know probably feel a deep, deep amount of resentment for it <laughs> about that. Well, it, it's um, also that narrative for on. the dads who are like, "Hey, you know uh, that uh, that Bauer guy? I could have done it. I could have done it too if I had that uh, technology." I, I just, got I got, sc- I got scattered. I got scattered by the Brewers. You know? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said I was five four. I couldn't, you know, and I also couldn't catch or hit or pitch or throw. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. and so they didn't they didn't pick me. But like, believe me, you know, if I if I had one of those little. Uh, you know, um, little, little little camera things, you know, and, and that little bow, you know, that he that he that he, that he does for his arm, like then I'd be there, right? So no, look, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it yeah. is it is something that like you know I I think permeates like you know discourse about about pro athletes, um, but I think is especially animated by frankly white people because, um as you see so many people of color dominate um, pretty much all, you know, pro sports that don't have crazy economic barriers, you know, and baseball is crazy economic barriers. Why, why, you know, most Americans are white who play it, but like, but places where the economic barrier isn't crazy, like Latin America, you know, they're all, you know, elite and, and dominating our game as well. And, and two great, you know, benefit to the game to be clear. Right. But like, um, but yeah, so like you know, baseball, basketball, football, like you know, um, they 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 are not you know sports that are dominated by, by white people you know anymore, and um and so I think that there is like you know this sort of is like re- reverse engineering about like you know um not having the physicals but having like the heart and the mind 
you know, to 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 to, to excel, which yeah, um, you know, which uh, allows them to which allow which allows folks to assume that other people who have worked extraordinarily hard and maybe incredibly intelligent, you know, um, but just don't, but just you know, quote unquote, look like athletes to um be viewed as kind of coasting off of their natural physical gifts um and uh rather than you know their mind or character the force of will yeah you know yeah. Well, when I mean, that may be just yet just a part of the equation yeah that's that's also a continuation yeah. of the myth of the american dream isn't it it's you know well, if you just work hard enough then yeah, you'll make it the, yeah. it's all about the rugged individualism yeah. and there are tons yeah. and tons and tons and tons of um ad nauseum media studies published that really talk about how media across all sports on all levels really play into these tropes of it's not, and maybe it is conscious in some cases where, um, where black and brown athletes are really, they aren't given credit for their success because they are described as being inherently physically gifted. It's all about Mm -hmm. their physical talents and that they Mm -hmm. are, you know, just naturally, you know, run faster, jump higher, yada, yada. Whereas the white players are the ones, you know, the David Eckstein's, the grinders are ones who are there, not because of their physical talent, but because of their heart, but because of their grit and their hustle. And it's kind of, I think, given that media is overwhelmingly white and male, uh, it's it's kind of a defense mechanism that goes on uh, in terms of being like people feel like that they are like they they feel threatened. They genuinely yeah. do feel threatened you know, and they need to find outlets to to reinforce this like, no, it's about it's really about heart and hustle. And, you know, not that like everyone else doesn't do the exact same first thing. Like, And, and like, you know, and we, I, I saw that this flare out recently actually with um, locally with Aaron Judge of the Yankees. Um mm-hmm. You know, because you know, I, I um, yeah, yeah. Shouts to John Boy, you big idiot. Um, <laughs> like John. Oh man, what was it? Because is because Judge, you know, Judge is you know reasonably injury prone, right? I think it's fair, but he's also a great player as well, you know. But he misses time, you know. He's had a bunch of IL since, and so the Yankees are trying to rest him more consistently, you know, pretty clearly. They're giving him, you know, they're, they're giving him days off, even if he's not like you know um, seriously injured just to make sure that he's recovering well. Um, judge for anyone who's ever seen him, he is like the tallest position player, like of all time, maybe like, <laughs> um, you know, he's, oh, you're you know, telling he's, me he's, that like five foot eight, Tommy from Staten Island doesn't quite understand how being six, seven, two eighty five makes you maybe <laughs> yeah. your body operates yeah. a little differently. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, but, but he, but you know, he's, he's, he's chiseled. He's extraordinarily strong. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he could be, he very easily could be a tight end. He was a better football prospect than, you know, than a baseball prospect in high school. He just loved baseball more. Like that's part of his story, you know? Um, and, uh, and so um, he, uh, you know, judges like, you know, um, like, like John boy, you know, who, who's become very famous because he was, um, he had, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, local YouTube, you know, podcast personality in New York, but like um, he, he was able to separate a hot mic during a rant that the manager, Yankee manager, Aaron Boone had, where like he started like cussing, you know, like the umpire out and like uh called his guys quote savages savages in the box that became yep, sort of a galvanizing yep. rally cry one? in twenty nineteen. Was that really um, the one that blew him up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, my guys are effing savages in the box. You know, how dare you like, you know, call a strike three against them or something like <laughs> something, you know, something like that with a lot of F words. And um that led to um like, you know, uh it, it went like crazy viral, you know, the even the Yankees started selling like t shirts that said savages and you know on them. Um, 
that was like you know that 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 was all the John Boy, right? Like, and and he's, and do that like you know his whole thing is blown up. He's like he got a million dollars in like investment capital. Um, you know, has a lot of players do like podcast now <laughs> with him. You know, um, and so uh, you know, good for him. But like you know, but 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 what's not cool is being like you know is just being like the the worst of talk radio for like millennials now. Like, and uh, and yeah, and so he goes on this rant about like you know, but Aaron Judge resting. You know, like Aaron Judge, you know, um, Derek Jeter would never, you know, um, and, you know, uh, Aaron, you know, but here's Aaron Judge. He's like taking da- taking days off. You know, um, he found this article from the New York Times actually where Derek Jeter was like playing through injury in 2001. You know, um, never mind that he was OPSing like a hundred, like he OPS like 150 points less in his like career that that month. Yeah, <laughs> playing through injury, playing through pain. You know, um, but like you know, but he was like, oh yeah, Derek, you know, uh. Aaron Judge, you know, now the face of this franchise, like, you know, can't seem to, like, you know, stay, stay on the field as much. And that's a problem. And he should be grinding it out more and he should be playing through it. Um, no, um, in this clip that they post, put it out there, no, no, like, you know, discussion whatsoever of, like, you know, of injury management, of, like, you know, of whether he, you know, he might be injured, of, you know, any sort of, you know, medical advances on understanding, you know, rest and how, and how to optimize play, you know. Um, no discussion of what it means of what happens when you play through injury and you know and you don't perform well and it actually hurts your team, um, which is kind of what happened in the second half of 2017, which is when you know Aaron Judge had this monster first half. You know, was the MVP, MVP favorite and probably still could have won the MVP that year. Like if you look at the, like the advanced stats, but whatever. But like you know, but um, but you know, but he but he had but he really tailed off in the second half because he was playing through lots of injuries. He got like surgery in the offseason. Like the man has played with a collapsed lung. He has played with broken ribs. Like. These are like recent things that he has done, you know, um, he didn't even realize that his rib, his rib was broken or, you know, or, you know, it was like a bone bruise until, until like the spring training next year in 2020. And you're like, Oh, whoops, cracked. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's the kind of guy Aaron judges. And not only that, but he's also like corralled his gigantic body, the gigantic strike zone that, that he has. He never gets like certain calls, you know, every Yankee, every like, you know, Yankees fan and Yankee Twitter nerd like knows this. So certainly John boy does too. Like, he, you know, and yet he has been able to develop elite hand-eye coordination and make incredible adjustments mid-season every year when he goes to a bad slump to become, you know, to be a, like, pound-for-pound, pound, one, one of the best, like, five or ten position players in the game right now. And to, like, criticize his heart, his, like, you know, like, his hustle when, like, look at you, John, Bull, like, like, have you ever done, like, ten push-ups consecutively? Like, like, my good, my dude, like, like, you know, like, you're at the, the, the I, I said this on, on the, on my podcast at baseball practice, I'm like, yo, the, the pinnacle of your athletic achievement is like, was like when you plugged your podcast mic into your laptop this morning, like that was like, you know, that, that's, that gives you the presidential medal. That's like your presidential medal of fitness. Like, you know, like it's okay to criticize players, but you know, in performance and all that and, you know, and laziness where it exists, but like, but he is not the one like, you know, um, Aaron judge works so much harder at his job than you work at yours. Like, <laughs> um, but you know, but, but listen, but he, but he, but he's, but he's real big and he's real strong and he's, you know, and he's black, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so all the, all the intellectual and, um, ethic, you know, and, and I guess, yeah, and the work ethic, um, that got him to where he was, you know, where he is, um, in baseball gets, um, completely lost because, uh, because you can't, because you can't relate to him, you know? Um, but you know, but, but you, but you see yourself in, in, you know, people, people see themselves in the Bauer types, you know, a lot far more than they do in the, in the, in the Aaron judges. And that's to their shame, not, you know, not to the players.
That's a great, great answer and <laughs> great thoughts overall. So I've been wondering for like the last half an hour or so. So you said, and I'm sorry if you made this clear at one point or another, I missed it. So you're from Queens, but your dad is a Yankees fan. <laughs> therefore, therefore, you are presumably also a Yankees fan. I mean, or kind I grew, of. I, I, grew, I grew up a Yankees fan for sure, right? Like, you know, you, you know, if, if you. Yeah, that, that was where I was where that's where that's that, that's where my heart it, it, was. You know, I went, I went to the 2009 parade. The 90s, yeah. You know, like I went, I went to the 2009 parade and all that. Like, um, I think it's like I'm like I'm trying to like try do I even talk carefully around it? It's like <laughs> it, my fandom is a little different because of working for the Daily News, right? It's like yeah. on you know, I try to be less obnoxious about it because. Like, I don't want to have to, like, deal with, like, dumb stuff when trying to cover the team, you know, of, like, of uh, of being viewed as, like, I guess, uh, unfairly partisan, you know? Like, and honestly, like, I don't really care because, I mean, because, you know, my reporting interests are so much bigger than, like, you know, who's good or not. Like, you know, though I can write about that as well. <laughs> but, like, um... But at the same time, like, you know, it, it avoids a little bit of like, you know, just kind of like unnecessary BS of having to defend myself. So like, so, you know, they're, they're, they're um, so like, you know, I'm, I'm, I like the Yankees. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with the win. It's not, you know, but the fandom is different than like, you know, than uh, fist pumping whenever something good happens for the team. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like the difference today. Like, and, 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 and also like, but it's cool too because I just like it makes me just like like and appreciate other things you know uh, other things about other baseball teams you know like uh, I, I love watching the Mets I I, I love all of them too like I, I'm very happy when they win you know like um, I love Francisco Lindor um, I love Stroman I love uh, watching Jake the Grom play you know um, so so I'm a booster of them too but like I just try you know but again like it, it's it's is I don't wear it on my sleeve at least at least currently to, to the degree that I did you know before I got hired at the news because. It's just not, um, it is not beneficial, like, you know, for my own. It doesn't do any favors. Yeah, yeah it doesn't do me any favors. So I was like, whatever. So. Makes sense. Well, if it's, you know, getting a job at the Daily News, writing about baseball, then it's probably fairly easy to be like, okay, I can put that. Yeah. But you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't work in Daily News anymore. So who knows? There you, you know, go. Maybe, there you go. There you go. Maybe, yeah. maybe, you'll see, maybe you'll see me with like pinstripe grills. One day, you know, like <laughs> it's like I'm writing about something completely um, different. I don't have any you know, like, any skin in this game anymore. Yeah, yelling FL two V, you know, like um, from behind home plate. Oh, <laughs> that might, that might know, be me sometime soon. I I've never understood why it's difficult for people to understand that you can have a personal view on something, but it cannot affect your work. Like you can be, you know, I'm an Orioles fan. I can be an Orioles fan and also like recognize that like it may be my job to objectively write about the Red Sox who I hate with every fiber of my being. Like it is, it is possible for me to like put that aside and realize like, Oh, I have a job and I need to, I do it all the time with, with healthcare journalism. Like are you kidding me over the past four years during the Trump administration, me like the most like lefty liberal on the planet, uh, not probably not, but like very, very like outspoken <laughs> political views. But at the same time, like I have the ability to like do my job and sit there and be like, okay, 
you know, I need to present this in a way that does not reflect my own personal views because this publication is separate from me. I've never understood why that's difficult for people to grasp. Like you'll hear yeah. people all the time. It'll be like, well, most of the people who are like in the media, they believe this thing. I'm like, they might. That doesn't mean their work is going to reflect that because you can separate your feelings from your work if you have yeah, like to. My, my, like, my, like, my va- like my values aren't dependent on the Yankees at all. Like that's, yeah. kinda, you know, and, 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 you know, God bless anyone who, who is, you know, like I'm not saying like it's, it's, you know, you can't be Bill Simmons type, like, you know, media personality where you're right. Like, you right. know, a total Red Sox booster or, or even a John boy type, you know, where you're, you know, no room for the Yankees. Like, I'm not saying that like at all, like, but for, for, but for me, like I, I, I have far more contempt for major league baseball and, and all of the dirty, you know, it's affiliates than I do like, you know, joy in any team winning, mm-hmm. you know, like straight up. Like I, I hate the Yankees more than I like them. <laughs> because, and, 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 and because because of yeah. many of the things that they do that they do do behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes out in public. Um to to be clear, like sorry if uh you know Yankees PR is listening to this again to, to this, you know, uh podcast. Maybe, maybe they're like, one of the twenty two, you know, I don't know. Right, exactly. You, you never know, it's man. Um, they're not. Well, along with my buddy Franklin from fifth grade, you know, who uh uh <laughs> I was I was really smart and um I got his got got to have his that Spider Man filmed in his block. Um, you know, who knows, right? But like, yeah, the um like I, I have more, I have far I you know, and, and I think that's actually I think I think that's a good way to look at it is like it's like even things that you like you should kinda hate. Like if you're a journalist, you should you know sure, and, and not like yeah. not hate, not capital H hate, but like but have a healthy sort healthy of skepticism. Yeah. Skepticism that allows Absolutely. you to be to be to be critical when you need to be. And I would say sports is interesting, too, in particular, because I think more so than other types of journalism, like if you're doing real, if you're doing journalistic work on like race and politics and class and, you know, issues of social strife and things that really, really matter, then, you know, yeah, like personal perspective does kind of matter because we are ultimately inseparable from our from our own biases and identities at some point and to try to pretend like there is kind of a neutral perspective to report on when it comes to things when it comes to certain things is like kind of a fool's errand with sports on the other hand it's like i find i went to school i just got my master's in american studies and i spent i spent the last two years basically by writing about sports and studying sports from kind of a critical outside perspective in being like, yeah, it's, I'm I'm a diehard White Sox fan still. I love the White Sox, and I will, you know, I am the per kind of person who will, you know, live and die with them, and I'll be cheering when they win, and I'll be really upset for a half second when they lose. But then, you know, outside of that initial emotional instinct that has been instilled with me, within me since the time I was four years old, as which I would also, you know, say the same probably about my Bears fandom. Like I hate football. I really don't like the sport of football, but I have, <laughs> I still cannot uninternalize the bears. I love basketball and I love the bulls, but like same thing, Jerry Reinsdorf also on top there. Uh, and so it's sort of like, I, I engage in my fandom and I write about this stuff, but it really does put a, you, you read enough about it and you kind of get an understanding of how this industry actually works to an extent. And I think it becomes actually very easy if you are, a person with, I don't know, I would like to think some kind of moral compass to be like, yeah, maybe I don't want to be super, super, super like, you know, I am living or dying with what is happening on the field without kind of other critical awareness and having yeah. that inform my overall attitude. Um, 
So, mm. anyways, anyways, with, <laughs> with that, with that, I think it will be. I think we're going to go ahead and move on to the last portion of the podcast, which is sort of our non-baseball kind of some random stuff that we're going to ask you. And we start this off with the order of operations trifecta. We are going to ask you three different things, and we're going to ask you in what order you do those things. First thing we want to ask you, when you uh, – oh, sorry if you just heard my dog bark at me in the background. I have a dog, and she is looking at me, and she wants me to play fetch with her right now. And I don't know if you've looked at the notes the last four weeks. Like Every single one of these podcasts has at least one instance of my cat yowling outside my door in the background. So. <laughs> she, she literally just like put her toy down, and she's looking at me, and she's just like – And she's like, you're going to throw this or what? I just – anyways, first thing I want to ask, all right. Dogs. The order of operations trifecta when you get dressed in the morning. Socks or pants first? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Valid. Okay. I, really played by I, ear. I, I love it. I, I coast through life in a way that I don't have the ability to catalog details like that. <laughs> that's fair that's the I'm first time totally we've got that answer and that's probably the most I'm, honest answer we've gotten to be i'm i'm like i'm like mark zuckerberg but not evil in the sense that i like, kind of like buy like very simple basic t-shirts every day you know because i just don't i have i don't want to deal with like decision making so like i can, i will never be able to tell you whether or not i put my socks and my pants on but now i'll be over scrutinizing it you know so you change the next you know two thirds of my life but before this, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> now you're gonna. Now right. you're gonna notice. Now you'll think. So number two, um, if you eat cereal and drink milk and have the two together, which comes first? Cereal. Okay. That is in line. I love, I love food, so I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is in line with the majority for sure. The majority. We're gonna get another milk before seeing a person sometimes. I thought we had one again. Did we, we only did. have? Was it only Jake? I thought we had another one. I think Jake was the only one who was concretely oh. milk before cereal. Yeah, uh, so we're now strong, yeah. so that's now nine of ten cereal before milk. Fairly, fairly concrete. Um, and the final one. Okay, when you're brushing your teeth at night, uh, what is the order in which the toothpaste and the water goes on the toothbrush? Is it water first or toothpaste first? Toothpaste first. Yeah. No, what? Wait, toothpaste. Is it toothpaste then water? Toothpaste first. Yeah, toothpaste and water. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Okay. But like, always... you don't put the water pressure too too high or else you lose your toothpaste. Right. But you point. don't like wet the brush first before you put the nah. nah. Okay. Interesting. I don't have like a personal objection. Am I, am I judged? Like, way. <laughs> no, no, you're you're in the minority you're in the minority here, but like I'm not uh... I don't have a personal I don't have a I think I think yeah, I no, so. I think I, I think I like... most most people do water, toothpaste, water. That's what we've right. most people who have uh, on this podcast have said that. So this is this is actually a sociology experiment from yeah. the University of yeah. Chicago. Just exactly. Uh... <laughs> no, I, so the the important as long as I get a gift card or something. The <laughs> the water after the toothpaste is what's important. The people that I don't understand are the people who do like water and then just toothpaste and that's it. Because I'm like the toothpaste is gonna fall off your toothbrush. Like it's you got to seal it on there. You got to seal it on there. <laughs> Anyways, um, I would like to know what is you. You seem to be a fan of movies. Do you have a favorite and or least favorite baseball movie? Hmm. 
there's not one coming up to me right now as like definite favorite, definitely least favorite, but I do really like sugar. Dude, um, oh my god, sugar is so underrated. It is such yeah. such a good quality quality film. Um, there are a lot of them I haven't seen though, you know, and that's like stretching back from like damn Yankees to like bad news bears, you know. Uh, that I want to I want to watch, you know. Uh, I just haven't. Uh, it's okay. Little Big League. I hear Little Big League is mm. great. I just never watch it, you know. Little Big League. Um, I don't know how I would have re- react to that as an adult, though. I don't think I've watched it since I was a kid. So which one? Which one? Little Big League. Oh my or the god! One, or the one with um, yeah. young Michael B. and Keanu Reeves. I never seen that one either. So you know, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. I haven't seen. I have no idea what movie that is. I don't remember the name right now, but I know that there's like a pitcher who uh, like on this like little league team uh, that uh, plays. Uh, Big Papa from um, oh, Biggie, the- like while while he's on the mound, uh, I, I've seen that scene, you know, <laughs> and that's how he gets in the groove. Um, that's funny. So, but uh, yeah, so I mean, like I don't know. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of movies I you know, uh, a lot of baseball films I have not seen. Um, to be perfectly honest, but like no, but Sugar, but Sugar is one that sticks with me because it's just got it's it's a uh, I know I mean, kind of gathered this from I guess probably this interview right, but like. I love I love sports stories that aren't sports stories, you know. I love sports stories that are sports stories, but I love sports stories that aren't. And that one's a story about immigration. It's about it's about being a, being a foreigner, being different, you know. Um, uh, finding joy and hope outside of sports, which is gonna a theme from earlier in the interview, you know. All of that stuff is like readily there, and mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I love it. I love it for that, you know. And I think it's it's also very realistic to the game of baseball too, like. Like this is yeah. kind of like how am I be uh, like to be, you know, young far a young person who doesn't speak the language, you know, in the, the middle of nowhere, trying to figure out like you know trying to find your way. Yeah, uh, you know, I, th- I think sugar sugar gets that really well. I think the the coolest thing to me about sugar is uh, it 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 asks this question that I never thought of before, which is if you are an international prospect and you've put all of your eggs in the basket of I'm going to make money for my family as an international prospect. And I have no idea if you can hear my dog flipping out in the background, by the way, she is like running in circles. She's going absolutely insane. It's hilarious. I don't know what she's doing. Anyways, the thing I, so sugar, sugar asked this question where it says like you, you're an international prospect. A lot of these international prospects, since they're teenagers, they're like, this is how I'm going to make my money. This is how I'm going to lift my family out of poverty. I'm going to join uh, major league baseball. And they just they dedicate their lives to baseball and then they get recruited at 16. They get, you know, on all that. So Sugar asked the question, okay, what happens to those guys who do that and they're not quite good enough to make the major leagues? What happens? What do you do when your entire life has been dedicated to a single pursuit and that single pursuit doesn't work out? What do you do? And I think that is a fascinating question. And and the movie answers it pretty well. And where he ends up, by the way, it's like two blocks from my crib. Ooh. Oh, for real? Uh, oh, yeah, well, I walk funny. past it all the time. So the hotel. That's so, so funny. <laughs> movie references near the crib. We haven't stopped yeah. talking about the Dark Knight in Chicago since like 2008. So <laughs> I, I kind of feel you. Uh, that's, the, no, that's the second time Sugar has been recommended. Dude, I think. Sugar like, is such an underrated baseball movie. It is so I, I have not wow. seen it, and I really, really think I do need to. You now. absolutely um, should. Um, yeah, so yeah. next question. I think I think this is the one that gives me and Ben the most anticipation uh, in terms of like what kind of answer we're going to get. So 
Have you ever, at any point in your life, seen a ghost or something that you can't explain or makes you go, hmm? It's okay if the answer is no. I just want to preface that, like, you don't don't feel <laughs> obligated to like manufacture, like, well, that's I what guess makes it exciting time. when we do get a yes. We've got like one. We've it's, got one definitive yes, and it yes. was like. <laughs> yeah but it's it's totally okay if the answer is no i you know it's funny grew up in a very like uh pentecostal christian home oh my god uh, or not home not home but like you know a church environment uh and so there were times where like you know what uh would be I guess, described as paranormal what happened in like church services. <laughs> um, oh, dude, the Pentecostals but, um, where you're like speaking yeah. in tongues and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah. you know, so, that, so, um, so that's that's very much you know part part of my mm-hmm. uh, adolescence anyway. Um, but like, uh, nah, I mean, uh, I, I, actually, I, I, I actually I actually still still am a very yeah right it's the Holy Ghost no uh, I still I'm actually a very very religious and devout, per, devout person but like that's not a you know but I tend to think that a lot of that was probably um, social control and psychosis <laughs> and <laughs> untreated, untreated untreated you know uh, seizures or diagnosis you know something you know undiagnosed you know untreated uh, those issues and that's unfortunate um, but when I I went per se call like 97% of that stuff like you know a ghost or you know the paranormal so maybe know. maybe we don't know, you know we, don't know for, we can never honestly, say for sure maybe, maybe maybe but like you know but mo- most of it most of it wasn't just unfortunate like you know man this is uh not a good place to be a person of faith i need to leave yeah <laughs> pentecostal stuff like i i remember talking to a friend of mine who went to um hillsong's school in australia so mm. for anyone who doesn't know who hillsong is hillsong is like one of the biggest contemporary christian music uh groups out well hillsong is a mega church in australia and they are best known for producing like every song that every church sings every sunday and they are a pentecostal church and a friend of mine went in, in, to in, in, in origin but the stuff that you see like you know like in in united states is not yeah kind of rolling that in that same way with you know of like yes, the past. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's but that being said, but I, I but that being said, their their school of ministry might be very different. Like I've yes. never been, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that that's a good clarification. But I, I remember talking a friend of mine, he went to Hillsong University. They have a whole university yep. for like, do you want to be a worship leader? Right. And right. they talked a lot about speaking in tongues and stuff. And I remember talking with him and I was just like, I don't know. I you know, I don't know a whole lot about the concept of speaking in tongues and all that. And that may be a thing that works for some people and that's great, but it scares me. I mean, just, it just freaks me out. I just, (laughs) it just does. And, and I, you know, if people get something spiritual out of it, I'm happy for that's awesome. Like it really is really cool, but that just, it just freaks me out. (laughs) It's just when you witness it, it's just, it's something, man. It's, it's definitely something. Uh, (laughs) Um, Anyways, so moving forward, do you – this is totally, <laughs> totally different question. Do you have a favorite Muppet? <laughs> favorite Muppet. Um, does that include Sesame Street? 
Ooh, yeah, we can include Sesame Street. Sure, I think so. I'm far yeah. more familiar with Sesame. I've, I'm not familiar with most of the Muppets, but I am fami- oh, familiar oh. with Sesame Street. So I Muppets would vote to include. Oh, yes, Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. Yeah, we can include that. I, I, I love. I love. No, I do love the Muppets too. Actually, I do really enjoy them. But I think Cookie Monster is my favorite. Cookie Monster is great, and also has a great social media presence. <laughs> <laughs> big, big fan of he's, Cookie Monster. Very, very, very strong brand, Cookie Monster. Dude. Um, Cookie Monster's Twitter is a blast. <laughs> I guess I gotta check this out. Like, you have not seen I... Cookie Monster's Twitter? Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's very heavily, spoiler alert, heavily cookie themed. Uh, couldn't, have, couldn't have seen that one coming. <laughs> a lot of co- <laughs> and, and a lot of good commentary on economic... It- no. <laughs> He's got some okay. very interesting <laughs> thoughts on marginal tax rates. <laughs> And how they affect cookie production. Uh, <laughs> Seize anyways. the means of cookie production. <laughs> so, what's what? Uh, uh, but you know, what? Cookie Monster was caught using that uh, that slur back in 2013. <laughs> you know, someone dug up his old tweets. So uh, I don't know. We're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna cookie. have to really 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 revisit you know his his legacy and, and his idea, cultural impact. Cookie canceled. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Hashtag cancel oh, Cookie no. Monster. Um, Me victim <laughs> of wokeism. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh gosh! This is I, that's great. Got, I don't even want to send. I don't want to send my imagination down. I, I love down the idea of Cookie hole. Monster at like a in a PR nightmare and just like Cookie, <laughs> we got a problem. They dug up your old tweets, <laughs> the really racist ones. Cookie Monster, you burn them. Me in trouble. <laughs> so like this Cookie Monster well. just this solemn this solemn press conference. Like me understand me make mistake and pass. But oh, me no. more mature human being. <laughs> me understand. Me understand. Me working to better me. my. Me working to better myself. <laughs> this is this is an SNL skit in a nutshell. Holy I shit. love that. Um, <laughs> so, but <laughs> I guess that goes well into the next one. Yeah, go Just ahead. Tell, yeah. Us, tell us. Tell us about a time. Uh, it, this can be a really really dumb story. It doesn't matter. Tell us about a time that you laughed really really hard. Oh man! Uh, time I really laughed. I laughed really hard. It can be like the hardest you ever laughed. It can be just a time where you're like tears are rolling down your face and you're laughing. I laugh so much, man. I'm such a laugher. That's, That's a, a thing. good thing. That's a good like thing. you know, like so. So it's just like it's hard to pick out a specific instance because I just ha- I just laugh a lot. You know, like like uh, um, <laughs> I really do. Um, the most uh. The most recent time I laughed hard was uh, I was watching this uh, show on it's on uh, Peacock. It's NBC streaming platform. It just came out called Girls Five Eva, like uh, oh, like, 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 that, yeah. like 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 four Eva. You know, like like the number four, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, the numeral four EVA. But it's a five, and it's like a, it's, a, it's supposed to be like a Spice Girls like pop group from like the late nineties. It's totally washed up twenty years mm-hmm. later, but they like get they but they get sampled by like a Travis Scott type, like you know, like rapper, you know, who uh, you know makes them pop, gives them a, a boost of popularity again, you know, and uh, and they yeah. end up like you know trying to go on tour and uh, revive their careers and you know and everything, and uh, it's a uh, yeah the it's a, it's a Tina Fey produced comedy, so like Thirty Rock, you know. Kimmy Schmidt, if you watch that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm the, looking the, it up the now. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, there there's a uh there's a the musical number that uh that they 
that they do um goes like something like you know uh we're girls five ever because forever is not long enough and i don't know <laughs> it just made me very laugh <laughs> and i think it's like it's like it's it's all all these like 40 something year old you know woman acting at, like pretending to be like 20 like any spice girls age or ever so like busy phillips and like sarah you know the, the woman from waitress i forget her name right now or you know sarah yeah. Biles, uh you know like I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Oh, Sorry. Um, um, I'm looking at it now. Paula Pell is in it. Who Paula, Paula Pell, Pell is yeah. just absolutely hilarious in everything yeah. she does. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's she's dope. Um, and uh, one of the women from Opera uh, Hamilton, uh, and one of the Scour sisters. Like you know, mm. so that's that's the, that's the band, you know. And, and then they're uh, um, so watching these like you know these these forty something year old women trying to act like tw- like nineteen year olds, <laughs> like you know. Sing, making singing dumb bubblegum pop pop music. That sounds um, so. Funny. It's uh yeah it it was, it was the first episode was very funny. Um it's on Peacock, so uh and Peacock is free. Uh there's a paid version where I can get all the episodes right now, but like the free version probably just rolls out like once a week. Yeah, there is yeah there is the yeah. free version, and then yeah. I think the Peacock exclusives are they available in the in the free version? Because I know I well, had yeah, to. Well, Girls Five Ever I think is a Peacock exclusive, but like but again oh, okay the, the whole season's available if you pay for it. First step, I do not work for Peacock. I do not work for Comcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. um, but you know, um, but anyway, but yeah, the uh, the first episode is free, and then you know, you can, you know, you can yeah, buy, like, I know binge, that was binge, binge it if you pay. Yeah, that was that was the thing for me as I was a huge AP Bio fan, and um, AP Bio got resurrected on Peacock for season three, but you had to pay for it, <laughs> even mm. though I I'd loved seasons one and two, which also, by the way, great great show. If you ever want to watch. AB Bio's brilliant. Paula Pell also in that. Um, can, I, can, I, can I give me? Can I give yeah. you another uh, laugh a lot thing? Do it, please. Yeah, um, the the weirdest thing I laughed at. Uh, I have, I have a good friend, uh, one of my closest friends ever, actually, uh, from from growing up, Timothy, and uh, t- Timothy just like knew how to like just really tickle my funny bone. <laughs> I can't describe it. <laughs> and so he would just kind of say put put on this really weird accent that i can't even locate a region to and he would just say shut up you stink ha just kidding this dude's from like hempstead long island like i again i i, I do not know if there was any sort of region as mo- you know mimic or monk i think i think it's in his, his very strange mind you know and he would just repeat those lines shut up you stink ha just kidding and he would just say that over and over again to me and it just made me laugh and laugh and laugh like like you know, like like tears flowing, you know, oh not you know, <laughs> like run, running, and he would do it at the most awkward moments. Man, he would do it in church. He would do it like you know, he would do it. <laughs> he would whisper it in church, and you know, he would do it like when I was like talking to a girl. Like he would do it like when <laughs> like every single moment that like was you know inappropriate. You know, <laughs> like you know, he would text me the he would text me those words, and I would just like laugh in school, <laughs> like for that is because he just. And I don't again. I I can't describe it. It's inexplicable. Like, I'm like no, that's that's one of the keys though. Is when you're not supposed to be laughing. That's when things um, are hilarious. Like I almost got into a fight with him because <laughs> I was at a friend's birthday party. This is much me and my you know geeky fourteen year old friends, right? And uh, someone bet me that I couldn't laugh last like two minutes, like solid like two minutes timer. Oh, of man. him do of him like saying saying these magic words without like going crazy <laughs> and um and i did and and i you know i was like you know 
you know, uh, I look, you know that meme of the of the of the kid holding his breath, like you know, um, yeah, and like the veins yeah. are popping out. I was like basically me, <laughs> like <laughs> in the backseat of like my friend's like you know minivan, my my friend's dad's minivan, you know, just trying not to laugh. Um, oh God. but like you know, but trying to win this bet, and I got so angry. Um, because I found out that the, that the friend who put me to that bet did not stop it at two minutes. He like went to like four, <laughs> and like oh, I found, like, like almost like like I I I could have I could have killed him because <laughs> I was just like holding it in so hard. I was you know like screaming you know. So anyway, that was, that was that's uh that is the funniest dumb thing I ever like laughed at. I sure. I so, love that. Oh, I so love. Now, so now you know. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's like your that's Those like your sleeper things. cell trigger yeah. words. To, to, <laughs> I don't um, know. I, I eventually got over it, but like you know, but it's still, it's still, but but the memories of not getting over it still make me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's. We're gonna move to the final section of the podcast. This is a uh, thing we call the full count. We are gonna ask you for a recommendation in each of five categories. The uh, I want to preface this by saying two things one the first thing that pops in your head is usually the best answer and two related this does not have to be some obscure recommendation or something fancy you know if if you the first thing that pops in your head if it's like the thing everyone recommends that's okay i just i want to know why it's important to you so with that in mind the very first category is books what is a book that you would recommend book i recommend man i book is very loose too like we've done comic books before we've done like of course, of course. stuff like that yeah yeah you know man i feel like everybody in the united states should read the warmth of other sons by isabel wilkerson hmm. that's uh hmm. i don't know it is, I, I think it's one of the most important non-fiction books ever and but also one of the most beautifully written ones too man. what's what's it's, that one about a, it, it is about the story of the great migration of black Americans mm. moving from the South, fleeing, you know, fleeing racial terror from the South uh, to different parts of you know, the West, the Midwest and the North, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and so it follows very meticulously the stories of, of these three, pe- three, three people who moved to like, you know, California, Chicago and, uh, and New York City. And this, the, the horrible things that they went through in the earlier parts of the 20th century. Um, and the also bad things they went through when they left, you know. But, it, you know, but but all this history, it's, it's you know, it's it's poetically weaved together everything that's going on in it. Um, but, like, all, you know, but, but but it's meticulously researched, all this incredible history. It reads like a novel, but it's, but it's, but it's entirely true. It is devastatingly... Um, honest and clear about the way racism shadowed their lives and just, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and how, you know, essentially black folks in this country lived as refugees in their own country, you know? Um, and, uh, and I, I think it's, you know, I think it's an, I think if it sinks into your heart, it can be a tremendous, I think, sort of, uh, reframing of, uh, why, people will why people work will will, will go through such will will risk so much for a better life in the united states um and why economic outcomes 
you know, break out so differently, you know, on um, when you look at, you know, race. So uh, that's that's why, you know, I don't know, I, I, strong wreck for the one of those sons. I, wow. I see. Yeah. yeah, I just see. I just looked it up and see that the title is um, derived from a Richard Wright poem who is. Yeah, possibly my I wrote my my senior thesis on Richard Wright. He's might be my favorite writer of the Zach, 20th Zach, century. So Zach, you, is, Zach, you, you, you like is, have to read that book, man. Yeah, this um, is really I really you know, I've tried to follow through on every almost every recommendation as many as I can that our guests give us here. And this is going very I, I just graduated, too. So I got plenty of reading time now. So there you go. There you <laughs> go. This this really is going up there. I appreciate that one. Um, yeah. So that's great. So, okay. Recommendation number two is food and that can be uh, like an ingredient or a meal or a restaurant or like a hole in the wall or just anything culinary in general. Hmm. I, I think I've really been into tacos of late and, uh, this is a style that's like very that's a uh, very uh, prolific in New York, which is not known. New York is not known for Mexican food for good reason because most of it's not good <laughs> uh, relative <laughs> to how, how well we do everything else here. But they but but uh, but they're, but they're uh, birria tacos um, in New York City are incredible, and a lot of them are found like you know parts of Brooklyn and, and Queens, like you know Jackson Heights I mentioned, um, which is like these tacos that are just like you know um, they pour like this gravy on top of it. Called consomme huh. style, right? And uh, yeah, so if so, uh, B I R R I A tacos. So if you're ever in Queens, you know, you're, try and find a place that does good video yeah. tacos. So yeah, I was, I was I, gonna say, I, was, I thought that sounded familiar. Who yeah, else? Yeah, I was, that? um, I was muted a second ago. So I was gonna say, yeah, you mean Mexican Festival over on 99th and Broadway doesn't doesn't do your your Mexican food hankering in, in New York? It's uh, not, <laughs> I never been, I never been that, that that place, but you know, but uh, I mean, there, there, are much, there are a million Mexican food restaurants, I'm sure there's some good ones, but like, yes. but it's not like it's not like it's LA, not, right? It's not no. like you know, I, I, I was you know, I used to go to LA for work a lot years ago, and mm-hmm. like, and it was just like every you know, it's kind of it's you can't not have good tacos there like every every single cart and truck is like better than the last mm-hmm. so um you know new york is not like you have to like yeah. know your spots and then you know and and uh and even the spots that you know of aren't as good as like the ones now we got some we got some we got some great mexican joints here in chicago too and actually no, it was uh, janice it was spe- speaking because it was um janice scurio who we had for I love episode janice. five or six right. yes we had right. her we had her a month or i'll make that one of my She's a six recommendation. Yeah, like yeah, she's my, she's she, my homie. We we do um Apple Fit fitness yeah. competitions every week. <laughs> uh, and she keeps my butt. She's got a fifteen to, a fifteen to four like lead on me. Like like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah she, <laughs> we had her beautiful. We had her on a few episodes ago. She's she's the best. Yes, and but, she had yeah. the exact. She, you guys are clearly on the same page as far as as oh, far as food goes. We, she, yeah, we we were, we were talking about trying to link um. She like she might she may she she's trying trying to come through to New York actually for like a White Sox thing, White Sox Yankees and I was like yo um we eat well if you come and now I know now I really got to try him shoot yeah over. seriously um, I did I have to tweet it I tried a mofongo the uh, a couple weeks ago too that Chris recommended to us oh, was, mofongo, mofongo oh that's one. right yeah 
Yeah, I've never uh, had a mofongo before before a month ago, and in my my world has just been like opened up. So man. yeah, it's, that's uh, Chris Towers recommended mofongo, and uh, I had never really heard of it. So I still got to figure out a place to get some. It was a crime. Uh, One of my best friends is Puerto Rican too, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's like, oh bro, like, what is wrong yeah, no, with no, you? No, no, yeah, you need you need to you need to get on that man. Um, adudos, uh, adudos mm. is, you know, um, and mofongo for sure. Mm. Man, all right um next category is movies and or tv we've already got girls five eva but if you have another tv or uh movie recommendation lay it on me <sighs> yeah um let's see like i know you said don't give like something obscure but i feel like no, you can. You, I, I, I want, want you to I, give whatever you want. <laughs> if you want it to be you know, obscure or obvious, it's a whatever. I guess I just don't. You know, I, I want to give something that's just not like that. That, that like just because, just because it's. I want to give you something that won't be. That it's not going to be the first thing served when you turn on. You know, your Chromecast or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, sure, I get that. So, yeah. I guess the the thing I wanted to uh, emphasize Who's is that, it? like, if, if you were like the Godfather, that's fine. Tell me why you love it. <laughs> like, it, that's fine. But whatever pops in your head, obscure or not. What Who's is? afraid of Virginia Woolf? So yeah. so good, so good. You talking about the Elizabeth uh, Taylor? Yes, Elizabeth Taylor, yes. Oh my so so I, I I was prompted to watch it actually because uh, Netflix dropped this movie called Malcolm and Marie that people also very good. With. Also very um, I've I've heard it's terrible. It looks bad to me. What personally. for real? Oh, I like I, I, it. I, I haven't watched it though. Um, it's, but Malcolm, uh, yeah. Malcolm Marie is is very clearly you know it's John David Washington, Denzel's son, and Zendaya um, as this like couple that uh, kind of hates each other <laughs> and yeah. they, they fight and they fight a lot and, and it's supposed to be a metaphor on you know the modern relationship and you know the roles that women and women play. There's, there's it's very also... clearly a reference. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, it's also, so the the story is uh, John David Washington is this director who is coming back from a film festival with his girlfriend, Zendaya, mm-hmm. and uh, he just got extremely well-received at this uh, screening of his film. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of them talking all night, talking about a lot of stuff, but there's a whole lot of talk about um, critics of film and uh all kind, and a lot of their relationship and stuff, but I personally liked it. It's done by the guy who did Euphoria for anyone right, who right, saw exactly, that on yeah. HBO. Which so, so, um, so it's but it's very clearly in reference to uh, you know a, a clear reference for it is this movie from the sixties called Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Um, uh, starring Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor won an Oscar for this. Um, about this you know feuding married couple, you know, um, and some uh younger colleagues of the husband you know, uh, who come over for drinks um, and get to witness and embroil themselves in their horrible dysfunction. Um, it is a stunningly good acted, well-acted film. Um, yeah. And uh, the writing is, it's, it's, it's adapted from an Edward Albee play, Edward Albee's, you know, one great American playwrights. Um, so like, just like the jabs, like the, the punchlines are like, you know, are just, uh, like phenomenally good you know um, oh yeah it's it's i i I'm, yeah, I'm, a, uh, I'm i'm glad i'm glad i came across this because i i just read all these reviews of malcolm Marie getting pan and someone uh soraya uh nadia mcdonald of the undefeated was like 
you know, the movie to watch is actually Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And I was like, okay. Dude, it is. I actually first came across that as a play, and I read the play, and I was like, holy cow, this play is incredible. And then I was, I, I watched the movie, and it's, yeah, it's Elizabeth Taylor and, um, and Richard Burton, and uh, also George, George Segal. Uh, who rest in peace died this past year. Yes, all of them, all of them, uh, and then the sorry, the fourth main character, Sandy Dennis. Um, but all four of them are brilliant. The the play and by extension the movie is excellently written. It's it used to be in my top hundred favorite films of all time. I think it's like just outside a hundred, but it's it's incredible. It really, really is. It's worth watching. It it very much is kind of like the. You know, when they translate a play to a movie, you kind of like you're watching like, oh, yeah, this was a play. Like you can kind of tell, you know, that, you know, Fences was one of those, for example, or Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, mm-hmm. both. Um, oh, what's the name of that playwright? Both great. I forget the playwright's name. He's very famous and I hate myself for forgetting. But um, anyways, yes. Uh, who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Extremely, extremely good. Uh, I, yeah, that's a great recommendation, man. I love that. August Wilson, that's dude. August Wilson, yeah. thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, August Wilson. Um, but yeah. Great oh wow, that great. was Mike Nichols who directed "Who's Afraid of Virginia yes. Wolf." I didn't even realize that. Oh wow, huh? Learn something new every. Yeah, day. the guy who did the uh, the Graduate and uh, the Birdcage, Postcards on the Edge, stuff like that. Elastics. Mm-hmm. I love Postcards on the Edge. Fourth recommendation. Music. Hmm. I have been listening to Will Smith's daughter, Willow, who is becoming like something of a rock star, apparently. Yeah. So Will and Jada, you know, um, the daughter, Willow, um, She's uh she, she when maybe like 10 12 10 11 years ago she didn't uh she actually had a song called I whip my hair called whip my hair um that was like that was it had introduced her as, as, as it was it was a long time ago like you know introduced it so it's sort of like a baby Rihanna and it was like a great it was a great pop song you know and she just like saying I whip my hair back and forth yeah well like you know yep. that's, that's all it was the music video is great too it's like she like dips her hair in paint and whips it around. Oh, this is dope. Anyway, but now she's like, now she's like making like like evanescence like rock music, you know. And that's it's like incredible. kind of, and it's like, and, and she's got like, she's a good vocalist too. Like that's the thing too, you know. Like and so and so through learning about this, you know, because she had a video that went kind of viral clip. Um, I was reminded that Jada, uh, Pinkett Smith, her, you know, her mom, um, hosted Red Table Talk. Uh, you know, where where, where if anything, um. <laughs> Uh, if anything bad happens to a prominent black public figure, they have to apologize to the woman in red table tap. So, so again, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing some cultural translation for the like, yeah, yeah, white yeah. Uh, listeners here. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so for the uh, so red, so uh, so yeah, so she so she actually had a rock band. Um, that's like, right. While, she while, had while, while, while also you know do a very you know very prominent acting career. Uh, 20 years she ago, had a, so, she had um, a new metal band. That's right. That's right. And so uh, Willow, uh, for Mother's Day, apparently, like got the band back together and sang one of Jada's songs to her. 
uh, with her with her old man. And so uh, oh it's a you know, very like endearing moment, you know, of like her performing for her mom. Um, so anyway, that is, uh, you know, that, that's that. So I was listening to at the gym this morning. You know, I, I really got to check that out because I had heard good things about it. And I was like, yeah. really? That's because I, you know, when I think of Willow Smith, I just think of whip my hair. And so to hear like she's doing something totally different, I'm I'm all for it. I, I can't wait yeah. to hear it. It's not, it's not, a, it's not amazing. To be clear. Yeah, yeah, like I got you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, but like you know, but 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 it but it's good, and it is um, it's good, and it's kind of like you know, and it's it's as they say, as the kids say, it's a mood. It's a big mood, right? When you're when you're at the gym, you know, um, to uh, you know, to, to have something that that just kind of has you, you know angry and vibing as your yeah and iron or whatever that's like, so. hey i'm fine back in the gym for the first time in like you know 14 months now so yeah exactly same here because i just you know, recommendation, yeah. there, so that's um that's awesome i also never thought we'd get a uh wicked wisdom shout out on this podcast but shout out to <laughs> jada pinkett smith's new metal band uh <laughs> the last category is perhaps my favorite it is miscellaneous and this is anything from your life that you would recommend to other people. This can be an experience. This can be a thing that you own. This can be uh, literally anything. And I have found that it is the first thing that pops in your head, no matter how inane or stupid it might seem. We have had a whole host of different recommendations in miscellaneous. So whatever the first thing that pops in your head, that's what I want to hear. Trader Joe's coffee ice cream. Love it. Why? Why Trader Joe's? Yeah. Go keep going. Colval bourbon on the rocks. Um, but have ice that's like one of those like metal cubes that you like put in the freezer. Yep. So that is, yeah, that that is that is yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got those for my wife actually for a gift years ago, but like I use them more. <laughs> at this point um i wasn't much a bourbon drinker like that back then but now i am because i'm like a writer now so so is one of the requirements that is uh, uh, it, so, you know, in my so, profile yeah, really, picture really on is. twitter i've got bourbon and a cigar it's sort of a requirement of being a writer yeah, and, it, and a and a and a good me in a good book um and stereo lab on oh my god stereo stereo lab or the late MF Doom, softly though, because he's, so, oh. he's, so, he's, so, he's so lyrical that like you know you don't want the words overpowering the book too much. Um, that's just a vibe, and that's been a, that was a big time pandemic thing when I just know where to go. Stereo so Lab, shout yeah. out transient random noise bursts with announcements. Great, yeah. great album. Uh, incredible reading music as my friend recommended me like you know like if you want music to listen to but that won't like overpower your head like stereo labs where is that so that or i guess that or just 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 like saying siri play mf doom and then you know um and and then whatever comes in but just kind of hit the volume down because again he's so lyrical that it will you know i got i i got a copy of um Mm, food uh for my record collection a few months nice. back and i had listened to it a while ago but i sat down with it and like gave it a proper listen i'm like this guy was Genius. so good and then i also ended up getting i got mad villainy as well and just mad, mad, mad villainy is my favorite 
Uh, Dude, oh, well, I mean, Mad Villain's just an incredible producer. But, Mm -hmm. like, just, my God, the the rhyme structure, MF Doom's rhyming structure is just mind-bending. It's it's insane. So, yeah, that's that's it. Sorry, Sorry, Zach. Are you good? I'm 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 word bombing. Go for it. <laughs> no, I just I I was late to the very late to the party with MF Doom. I've discovered I discovered Operation Doomsday like my freshman year of college, and so mm. I had just very distinct memories of that very like very lyrical, just like in the background. Like I felt like it was as I would write my final papers that that winter. Um, I felt like it was I don't know like giving me injecting words into my brain at age 18 it's, i don't know what it was it was oh my god he's vibe. yeah he it's was incredible vibe. what a oh that was really sad uh when he died uh, may he rest was in really, peace indeed. That was dude yeah really seriously <laughs> but and, yeah it was uh yeah it was also really weird because like his family announced it like <laughs> three weeks later or something like that and like it was it was really i just remember it being a really weird like random announcement uh, it was Hey, I don't respect remember, that but, the man got his, his wishes up to the end, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> well, that's, uh, great, great yeah. recommendations. Uh, all of them. That's great. Yes. Fantastic anyways, Fantastic thank set. you. I would like to thank you formally. I didn't, I don't know that I, I we didn't do this at the start. Uh, Zach may have done this uh, before I was here, <laughs> before we started recording. Um, but thank you. Bradford William Davis for being here on Shag and Flies. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you for over two hours, which is yes. fantastic. Love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. It was an absolute delight. Yes. Ple- pleasure to be here. I, I uh, enjoyed it tremendously. To just kind of like sit and talk about everything oh. and nothing with you. So okay. you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys definitely have something here. That I really, warms my heart. I really appreciate it. That does. No, hey, I, I brought you on, and then I did record for the first twenty minutes, and you said you were shooting for an hour, and now we're on like two hours and fifteen minutes. So which I think, I, I, which I think is a testament to the strength of this podcast because I really. I, 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 I,